serious. Blog Talk Radio. Ladies and gentlemen, boys and ghouls, step right up. Behind this curtain lies a ghastly concoction of delight, horror, fantasy, and terror. Your every wish is our command. Your every whimsical desire brought to life. But I'm warning you, there's always a price. Welcome to the greatest And welcome back to the greatest show on earth that is Talking Terror. As always, I'm your old pal, the King of Horror, Andy G, welcoming you to this episode of the show, where tonight we're going to be talking about the Golgi Keith's film pick of the week, Blade Trinity from 2004, directed by David S. Goyer. Have we covered the other Blade movies? We have not, so why not cover the final one in the trilogy of movies starring everybody's favorite actor, Wesley Snipes. But before we get to that, we're joined by the bold and the beautiful, the Gold Gate Keith. Use it. Use it. Motherfucker. <laughs> Motherfucker. <laughs> Welcome. Break. Talking to and I don't I don't mean the Canadian musician and uh and and, and, and Degrassi Alum. I, I mean Dracula no, yeah. himself. Not that trick. Well, not that right. Not that right. Welcome to to Talking Terror tonight, everybody. How, how the fuck are you? It would have been great if it was actually Drake playing Drake in the movie. It'd been fucking mind blowing. <laughs> <laughs> What's up, y'all? What's up? I'm Drake. Dracula, call me Drake. It's cool. Want to hear some of my rhymes? Okay. Like, wow, is that guy from Degrassi's Dracula? Wow. Well, well, I, I couldn't tell you what uh, yeah. but... So somebody should totally, totally deep fake that, man. That would be great. <laughs> <laughs> the actual Drake and Void Trinity. I would see that. I'd see that cut. <laughs> I have no problem with that. It seems so weird, but there he is. Instead, we get Dominic Purcell, who constantly looks like he's two minutes away from going to a Jersey beach bar and pumping his fist all night with his gold chain and his handsome Italian looks. Because that's how I think about Drake. <laughs> We'll we'll get into that because that yeah. <laughs> anyway, we're also doing every day, bro. Simeon, Mad Monkey, the Prince of Mars Day. Yes, get fucking with the monkey. Yeah, I got no intro at all. So fuck it, let's just do this. <laughs> wow. Okay. No cocaine tonight, I guess. No drugs. Nope. I'm going in clean, folks. No, 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 I'm not saying that, I'm not saying that, I'm just saying no, no, I'm just saying we got no intro, we got no plan shit, nothing like that, we're just going to go into it, we're just going to go have at it, I had shit going, but then Ghoul totally fucked me up, and then you fucked me up, so they're thinking about fist pumping drag, <laughs> and I started thinking Jersey Shore, and shit like that, and I was like, oh, fucking, want to be John Batista in there, beating up the people <laughs> with MVP, <laughs> Because you can see it. Ray That's what I'm saying. There's a deleted scene somewhere. He's going to beat up Snooky at the bar, you know, smack her around a little bit. <laughs> yeah. No, no, you don't You do not do that, man. You don't do that at the Jersey Shore, man. What, what are you talking about? <laughs> I watched that. You got to cut the screen. Man. Oh, you do. Yeah, yeah, yeah where, I where did too. He punched the dude or he got punched or something? Yeah, I remember that. No, she, no, uh, yeah, yeah, she got God. punched. She got a fucking <laughs> ass handed to her by some little fucking twerp of a dude. 
Yeah. And that that was at the place that you two guys used to go to for St. Patrick's Day down at the shore. I was was only there once. (laughs) (laughs) I only did that one (laughs) time, man. One time with the king. I swear, it was only one time, man. (laughs) (laughs) I went several times. And every time I saw Drake in this movie, I kept thinking, I've seen so many of those guys at the Jersey Shore, especially in the summertime. Oh, yeah, turn the beat up. Oh, 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 the play of my hit, man. Come on over here, give me a kiss. Oh, I'm going to kiss you all night, babe. I'm Dracula. Let me suck some of that blood. King, why, why, why is it every time you sit there? You're, you're from Jersey, dude. You've, why is it like when you sit there trying to do Jersey Shore, all of a sudden you go Greece? <laughs> Again, we're going down to the shore, Sandy. I'm, it's going to be awesome. You have a Smokey. They sound like they're trying to do a bad John Travolta impression. Every single fucking one of these little guitos. I, I've like, been oh, to the shore. I've, I've been there. <laughs> I'm going to go get myself a slice. I'm going to go down to the bar. I'm going to get myself some drinks and go pump it up. Yeah, yeah. That's what they all he's, 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 he's kind. He's kind of getting there. He's, he's, he's getting there a little bit. You know what I mean? I mean, let's be realistic here, okay, King? That's not what we sound like over here at the Jersey Shore at all. All right, you're doing this whole Danny Bonaduce douchebag or whatever the that's fuck. What, that's is. what I'm saying. We don't that's sound what I'm like saying. that. We pump our fucking fists. We eat our big slices of pizza and we drink our fucking gobble goose soda all over the fucking place. Gotta no get way. That's what I'm saying, man. It's it's just an amalgamation. It's just fucking weird, just Italian stereotypes and a lot of John Travolta's and a lot of weird Jersey Shore burritos. So I was surprised Drake didn't have that kind of voice. You always go John Travolta or John Loomis. (laughs) Yeah, Loomis and John Travolta are my two go-tos. What I'm known for. I'm sorry, sorry, my mistake. Is John Loomis? (laughs) John Loomis is his brother. (laughs) (laughs) It's his cousin. It's his cousin. It's okay. Hey, yo, Mikey Myers, get the fuck out of here, bro. Come on, Sammy, come on over here. Come on. Give oh, John a hug. Oh, oh, who, 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 who fucking invited Mikey again? Forget about it. <laughs> hey, forget about it, Sam. You shot him six times. He went out the window. You know, he disappeared. It's all right. We're going to go get a slice. We're going to talk about it. We're family. All right, John. Let's go get yeah, a slice. Come on. Let's go, get, like let's go get a coffee. Okay? We're going to go get a coffee, Michael. Okay? Okay? We're going to talk about it. We're going to talk about it over some coffee. Okay? All right. Oh, go ahead. Many of those conversations with with what sounds like his aunt. His aunts are probably. It's (laughs) it's okay. It's okay. We're gonna talk. Okay. Let's go get some coffee. We're gonna talk. Oh, come over here. That's pretty impressive, Sam. Pretty impressive. They're they're like we're gonna go to the diner. (laughs) Gotta get you some disco fries. The one doing the shooting. Forget all about that, Michael Myers. Get you so. You guys want to hit the deli? Get some sandwiches or something? No, you're good. Sam? No, no. He's shooting the guy again. That don't look like Michael Myers. <laughs> of course, Sam is firing innocent people. <laughs> I don't know what I'm doing Everybody. anymore. <laughs> See, I want to watch that show now, too. I would love, like, a Jersey Shore meets Dr. Sam Wuma show, where all of his family is, for some reason, hardcore Italians, and he's just a little British guy. <laughs> Christmas, 
Oh, what can we see you stands here? Bring it on into the real oh, thing, little cuz. Oh, <laughs> Why are you acting like you don't know me? Come, come, come here, Sam. Bring it in, bring it in, bring it in. <laughs> Yo, what the fuck is up with that British accent, Sam? You didn't sound like that when we was growing up, playing ball in the park. No, all of a sudden now you sound like a fucking British guy. What's up with that? I think I need to go. <laughs> Back to Smith's Grove. <laughs> oh, my God. <laughs> I want that to fucking happen now. <laughs> Not to start writing that you, want the Loomish, you, you want the Loomish Shore? <laughs> yeah. <laughs> the Haddonfield Shore. Oh, we're in Haddonfield. You got any bars around here? No. So, um, we are not going to be joined by the Dean tonight or next week. He is out, uh, so he's going to miss all the shenanigans. As the only we can do. So we'll try to move forward without him. Uh, I got some horror news that we could talk about. Um, but first, uh, do you guys have anything you want to bring up before I get into, you know, Renfield and Pope's Exorcist and everything else? I got nothing, man. Mm-hmm. I, 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 ain't well, hold, I ain't holding nothing, man. Yeah, no, I'm, uh, I'm dull this week. Except holding this dick. Oh, look out, monkey. Don't say that, man. I ain't holding nothing but this dick. Oh, hey, look, you got another one. This big fucking schlong right here. <laughs> got these two big meatballs I'm holding for you, King. Oh! Hey, that's what you got to do. <laughs> got to go get my balls in some marinara so you can get a taste of home. How you like that? <laughs> yeah, you want a taste of these meatballs, huh? Yeah, I got them right here for you, bro. Damn. All right, monkey. Went right for the Italian. Um... <laughs> So if you guys don't have anything, uh, so yes, I, this past weekend, I went to go see Renfield and the Pope's Exorcist, double feature weekend, trying to keep it spoiler free, Renfield, a lot of fun, a lot of gore, not as much Nicolas Cage as you would think, which I thought was a good thing, because it is supposed to be Renfield's movie, and Nicholas Holt was great, so, what was that? Good. No, no, that's, that's, so. what you just said right there is exactly what I was hoping for. I want, like, minimal Cage. Mm-hmm. Give me, give me Renfield. Give me, you know, more fun with, with everything else. Yeah, it, it works because it makes you miss Dracula. Like when he's not on the screen, right? Oh, I kind of wish he would come back. And then he pops up, there he is. But, uh, you know, what he did with the character was phenomenal. They had a great opening that I think you really enjoy uh, that really calls back to the original Dracula from 1931. Um, so, again, a lot of fun. Um, Theater wasn't as packed as I was kind of hoping. I was hoping there would be more people, but there was a few. Uh, then Sunday, The Pope's Exorcist, which, again, like I said in the group chat, was, was a fantastic movie, but that's because Russell Crowe was in it. He's like, he was the weight that carried that movie. I think if anybody else played the, the Pope, Gabriel Amorth, I mean, not the Pope, but the priest, Gabriel Amorth, probably wouldn't have been as good. Because whenever you see Russell Crowe on screen, he's full on in with the Italian accent and actually works. Like, he's just speaking Italian. He's talking with an Italian accent the entire time, speaks Latin. Um, but it actually delves more into the troubles with the church and how they cover up a lot of shit and how some priests have a lot of fucking skeletons in their closet. And how do you deal with that when you're trying to battle evil? You know, you're, you're troubled with your faith. You have a lot of sins that you're trying to deal with. So it went a lot further than just a possession movie, which I think it needed to do to make it actually kind of engage you in what was going on. Because the effects weren't that great. There was a lot of bad CGI. But if you could see oh. past that, um, it makes up for a good movie. The plot was just really good. Um, 
But I do love the, the postscript. They talk about the real Gabriel Amorth and how he wrote a lot of books about exorcisms. And then he just said, they're good books. I was like, oh, that's nice. <laughs> Let me know that they are good books that I should probably read. Um, but, yeah, he, he's uh, a great character. And he's also so out the gut. So thank you, Russell, for not losing that is, Because I love Chuck. Uh, I love Fat Crow, bro. <laughs> you know, I got to read the body shape. But I just, I fucking love it, man. I just want to, I just want to hang out with the dude and, and just chill and, and, yep, yep, fucking fighting around the world. Um, <laughs> Come on, Tugga. Yeah, Tugga. Tugboat. Come on, Tugga. <laughs> Uh, yeah, no, no. I mean, listen. Pope's Pope's Exorcist came in number two this weekend, which was great. Um, you know, kind kind of expected. Like I said, Mario last week looked like a powerhouse, and it continued. And I, I think that made like another eighty something million. Um, you know, obviously mm-hmm. oh, a wow. deep drop off. Deep drop off. Yeah, two hundred yeah. mil. You know, so from two hundred mil to eighty something mil, but in post pandemic world still huge. And I know it went and made like another 300-something mil overseas. So the movie's going to make a, a lot of fucking money. And, you know, Nintendo's obviously saying, hey, look at what we can do. We can finally capitalize on all these fucking franchises that we've been putting out as just video games and now make them into movies because they've got to deal with DreamWorks. Um, so, hey, again, if they're all as entertaining as that one is, fantastic. I, uh, yeah, I was totally going to go do do Renfield. Uh, I even have like my showtime picked out, the ticket bought and everything. And I, uh, I got lazy as shit on Sunday. You know, like I, I, I just funny. I just actually realized they did have a somewhat busy weekend. We did Monster Mania this weekend. Um, That's true. So, so yep. we were there, we were there on Saturday. So Sunday was like my my uh, my, my decompression day. Um, but yeah, right. as far as Monster Mania goes, we did the, the Maryland event, and it was. Uh, you know, nice, nice venue, a little bit smaller than the Cherry Hill place. The layout's a little bit different. Um, you have, like, an mm-hmm. upstairs and a downstairs. And then, you know, the, the, the typical setups and everything. We met uh, pa- Paula Navarro, who plays Princess in The Walking Dead. Um, very, very, very nice. And I mean, like, so mm-hmm. nice, very precocious. She's very, like, super friendly. She's like an older woman, actually. She's, like, 34, 35 years old. And, again, she was a blast. She let Sammy wear the princess jacket. They were doing poses and, like, different different types of things with it and everything. Um, you know, I saw that, uh, you know, John Kassir was in the room as well. I was going to run over and say hi to him, but Johnny actually had a huge line. Uh, which I was so wow. happy about. You know, I mean, John Kassir, yeah. one of my favorite people in the whole wide world. And, you know, like I reached out to him the next day just to say, like, hey, man, you know, like I, I saw you at the show, but you had a huge line, and I just didn't want to, like, come in and disrupt anything. So, you know, I'm so glad to see you. You look so good and everything. He's like, dude, he's like, I totally saw you. He's like, I was figuring you'd come over nice. and say hi, but you didn't. So so we'll hit, we'll hit each other at the next <laughs> one. Um <laughs> You know, but then uh, we we had run upstairs and we were like walking around to try to look at everything, and uh, lo and behold, like we, we looked in the one room where uh, it was Christina Ricci, Stephen Dorff, um, Robin Lively, and uh, I forget who else was in that. Oh, I think William Shatner was supposed to be in that room, but he was doing the uh, the 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 the, the, the little sym- symposium or whatever. Yeah, where he's like talking about his stuff, uh, his Q and A. That's what they call him. So, like, you know, uh, like, we're okay. looking in the room and everything, and, and first and foremost, what I'm going to say is, holy shit, is Christina Ricci 
really fucking hot in, like, real life. Like, I normally see her on TV, movies, this and that, and I'm like, eh, not really my type, you know, like, she... She's cute and all, but she's got, like, that big head, the, 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 the big forehead, the big eyes. But when you actually see her in person, oh, my God, what a tiny little, like, adorable package that you just kind of want to, like, take and, like, stick it in your pocket and be like, yeah, I'll see you guys later. <laughs> um, but we oh, did, is she super obviously. cute and tiny? Oh, she is. She, yeah, absolutely. You know, like, she was there, like, a nice little hat and everything. She totally had, like, a cute little thing going. And uh, but so, so we're looking over, and there's Stephen Dorff's table, like, right next to her. Like, I see Stephen Dorff, you know, looking much more older and grizzled. And, like, he looks like a man, you know, which which is interesting. Because, like, I always <laughs> picture Stephen Dorff as kind of like a pretty boy. Because I still remind, like, I still remember him from the 90s, you know. He, like, so oh, yeah. for me, Stephen Dorff had, like, you know, a 5 o'clock shadow in, in Blade. You know, speaking of, like, you know, the mm-hmm. film we'll be talking about later tonight. But that was like, oh, yeah, yeah. look at this pretty boy, like, trying to look like a, a grizzled vampire man. Nah, like, Steven Dorff looks like a fucking man now, which, which is pretty cool. You know, so, like, we like we exchange pleasantries real quick, quick shake of the hands and, like, and a, and a hello or whatever. But I look over and, you know, Bonnie's looking in the room and she's like, oh, do you see Team Witch anywhere? And I'm like, well, I mean, look at that butt right there in front of us. How could that be anybody but her? That girl has not aged a day, okay? She still has this tiny, yeah. skinny little frame and this, this skinny little ass. And, like, it, it's like something straight out of the late 80s, early 90s, you know? It was like, holy cow. But but sure as shit, you know, there, there was uh, Robin Lively, very, again, very friendly, very nice. You know, Bonnie went over there, started talking to her, and then she waved, you know, then, then Robin actually waved all of us over. So, you know, me, me and Sammy are, like, sitting there, and we're all talking to her and everything. Um, you know, I asked her, I said, like, you know, for the, the whole mac and cheese bit this year in Cobra Kai, I'm like, whose idea was that? I go, was that yours or was that the showrunners? And she's like, actually, she goes, it was the showrunners. She's like, like, they, they were like on top of that. How funny was that? And I'm like, dude, I can't even tell you how much we, we've, we've been talking about the mac and cheese bit for years. Like, and I mean years, because it was just so ridiculous and over the top at the time. And she's like, yeah, I know. Um. But yeah, then we all took pictures with her and everything, and uh, yeah, and a little more wandering around after that, and then uh, then we kind of found our way home. So so yeah, so Sunday I was supposed to go see the movie, but no, instead I laid a, around in the house and watched Fast and the Furious movies. Oh, did the little monster have? Did the little monster have a good time, dude? She loved it. You know, again, she, she's nice. so hard up into The Walking Dead now, like, and, and she took the day off of school on Friday. She hadn't been up to Princess yet in the show, but she knew she was going to meet her. So she, like, binge-watched the hell out of everything, and then she finally got there on Friday, and uh, she got to see a couple episodes with Princess, which, as completely expected, totally loves the character. So, you know, so, so it, all, it all really worked out because the, the, the girl, the woman, was fantastic. You know, it was everything you would hope somebody would be with your kid when they would meet somebody that they really like. Yeah. Oh, that, that is awesome, dude. <laughs> yeah, it's always good when you meet somebody and they're actually really fucking cool and chill and you can talk to them and they're engaging with you in conversation. I mean, if I had met Stephen Dorff, I would just would have fucking fanboyed and been like, the gate fucking rules, dude. That's like the greatest fucking movie I've ever seen. <laughs> like, you know, it's like, yeah, about Deuce is Wild. Yeah, I saw that too. But the gate, though, the gate, like that's the shit. You were just a kid, man. Like, you know, 
Um, yeah, you know me. I, I, I'm more of a dude. I'm just like, like you know, like I reach over just because he was actually he was heading out, and like he turned around to his mm-hmm. handler, and he's like, "Yeah, I gotta go take a piss." <laughs> so like, <laughs> like I guess he wasn't expecting anybody to hear him, you know. So like I was like, "Hey, Stephen," I go, "Listen, I just want to say hi, shake a hand before you go and take a piss," and he just kind of <laughs> yeah. looked at me and he started fucking laughing and like you know we shook hands and he was like, "Yeah, yeah, thanks, man." <laughs> Yeah, I don't know if you wash your hands afterwards, sir. <laughs> um, yeah, I'm, I'm glad that you guys had a good time. I saw David Arquette was there, too. Did you spot him at all while you were walking around? No. Uh, no, you know what? I think David Arquette was, like, held in a different area. Um, mm. As opposed, like, I don't think they put, like, I think he, like, ended up being the big name there. Because, like I said, I think Shatner right. w- was in the same room as Rob and Steven and Ricci. Um, mm. Arquette was like, I think he got his, I think he got the star treatment. Like he got his own room, the whole nine. And he had quite a line. You know, I, I have to say there were a lot of people there to, to meet David Arquette. It's, I mean, I guess it did and didn't surprise me. Obviously <laughs> a lot of, a lot of scream fans, but I did also spot yeah. a lot of NWO shirts and WCW nice. title belts. So, <laughs> yeah, I guess so. Like, I'd love to meet them for Ready to Rumble and Scream, you know? But, like, I don't know. Yeah. I'd be like, dude, I still can't believe they gave you the fucking championship belt. He's <laughs> <laughs> like, yeah, I know, right? <laughs> Just to promote the movie, <laughs> they gave you the championship belt. You know, but, yeah, I, I would love to meet him, you know, and then get to chat about uh, Ready to Rumble. I probably would. Talking more about that than scream, like dude, like it's like panel from the WCW days. Like what was Goldberg like? One of the best wrestling. <laughs> there's not many wrestling movies that have come out that are like. No. I don't want to say good, because like for me, like I don't know, I kind of felt like that movie was way better than it ever deserved to be. It was a love letter oh, to the fans. It was a love letter to that '80s style wrestling, and I guess that that early character-driven 90s style. Mm-hmm. Before the Attitude Era. Like, I felt like most of the stuff you saw in it was pre-Attitude Era. See, I thought it was at the same time. See, I thought that, like, it, it was... It came out at the, the same time, but I felt like Jimmy the King was kind of more... Again, it was more of, like, that that older style from, like, when we were kids, you know, when the, when the wrestlers oh, were a little more, yeah. uh, you know, I don't know, like, I guess a little more socially interactive with the, the lifestyle as opposed to them kind of mm-hmm. being mega stars that they, that they became. No, it makes more sense. I mean, and of course there's no holds barred, which I think is another fantastic wrestling movie. You know, if you want to do that. Cool. Um, but something, yeah, I enjoy no holds barred. Dookie. So yeah, I'm, I'm glad that you had a good time. And I'm sure you'll see, you know, Renfield and, and Pope's Exorcist and all that in time. But uh, speaking about the Pope's Exorcist, like the ghoul had said, it managed to score the number two at the box office with a worldwide total as of Monday with $36.5 million. Well, Renfield ended up in the number four spot, bringing in just about $10 million for the opening weekend. It's also interesting to note that the Pope's Exorcist cost $18 million to shoot, while Renfield, get this, $65 million. What? Yeah. Renfield cost $65 million to make Pope's Exorcist $18 million. So. Did it look like it was $65 million for the movie? Absolutely not. <laughs> Absolutely not. 
I'm, well, like, sure, a 20 lot, like, of the it went to Nicholas Cage. Were good. Well, there you go. It's just, it's just, yeah, I'm sure a lot of it went to Nick Cage. Because <laughs> you know? I, I watch it. It's a great movie. Don't get me wrong. It's a lot of fun. It's super gory, but a lot of the gore is like a lot of CGI. So I was like, maybe that's what it went to. Like, they didn't do a lot of practical. I mean, they did do practical effects with Nick Cage, but um, like $65 million versus $18 million. And Pope Zekas just looks like a fucking fantastic movie visually that you would think it would cost a little bit more than $18 million, especially with, with Russell Crowe. Because God only knows what he was asking you know, to be in that movie, um, you know, with all these other new But he's not getting what he used to, you know. Like that—that that is the one thing. And I know he's, he's Academy Award-winning Russell Crowe. Kind of doesn't like he just. I guess because of his reputation as being like somebody that's hard to work with, I think he kind of like lost a lot of that luster amongst like the Hollywood. You think so? I do, maybe. I do, unfortunately. I think that's why we don't um, see him as much anymore. Yeah, it's like, you know, because he got um, to a point. Well, he got to that point where it's like he established himself with that bad boy reputation, you know, and getting in fights and all that yeah. kind of shit, you know. Like, and, yeah, it's like got to a point where I agree with the goal where probably a lot of Hollywood just didn't want to simply deal with the drama of having him on set. It's possible, I mean. But I got to admit that the Pope's Exorcist also had a really good soundtrack. Like they had the Violent Femmes in there, the Cult, Jeanette E. So the movie takes place in '87. So there's a lot of great. Did they have Goblin? Tracks. No, no Goblin. It's not the '70s. <laughs> <laughs> if it took place in the '70s, it probably would have. And uh, like I said on my Facebook page, Franco Nero plays the Pope, and I was so happy to see him. I mean, that's the original Django. You know, to see him in this movie as the Pope and playing it well, I just, I, I love Franco Nero. So whenever I see him in one of these movies, it's like, oh, yeah, that's him. Unmistakable. But it was a lot of fun. And, and you could tell Russell Crowe was just having a good time the entire time. <laughs> he was just having fun playing this character, speaking his Italian and, you know, talking about faith, people throwing skulls around. <laughs> he, he knew what he was doing. This movie. Um, so, yeah, that. Uh, it was kind of interesting, you know, the, the budget versus box office. Um, and speaking of movies that are coming out this week, Evil Dead Rise comes out on Thursday. I will be seeing it on Saturday, fucking first show, and can't wait. Tickets bought, just have to go. Um, but back in 1982, if you guys remember, Stephen King praised the first Evil Dead movie, and it became that memorable tagline that you would see in all the posters saying that it's the most ferociously original horror film of 1982. So we cut to this year, 2023, and King is once again heaping praise on Evil Dead Rise, tweeting out, while I'm busy promoting, how about Evil Dead Rise? It's gruesome, it's bloody, it's even got an elevator vomiting blood, not to mention chainsaw food. So once again, he is just heaping praise on Evil Dead. I just can't wait to see fucking chainsaw food. <laughs> I think that's going to be a lot of fun. Yeah, yeah. it's like, did we see that in Mandy? <laughs> <laughs> Yeah, we saw that in Mandy, you know. We also saw Ash Wilbert in, in, you know, the Evil Dead movie. So hopefully it'll be a fun time. Like, I, I kind of just strayed away from watching anything else for trailer-wise. That's why it sucks when you go to the movies now and they're showing the Evil Dead Rise show again. It's like, I know. I know. <laughs> I know it's going to be good. Just don't show I'm just, I'm going to go to the bathroom. I'm going to come right back. <laughs> and just, you know, I don't want, I don't want to see the trailer again. Um, and there's also, like, there's a couple of movies that are coming out that are like comedies that I saw that I actually might check out. Like there's one called Joyride uh, from the people that made Crazy Rich Asians. 
where it's about two Asian girls who go try to find their, like, biological parents, and then it just becomes a drug-fueled fucking just escape of comedy. <laughs> I was like, <laughs> that actually got me. Uh, looking forward to it. Uh, and there's also a movie coming out called The Blackening, which I almost thought it was a fake trailer. Oh. Uh, this has got to be fake. This is insane, the fact that they're making this movie <clears throat> from the producers of, like, Girl, uh, Girls' Night or Girls' Trip, uh, the barbershop, it's all about a group of black people that go to a cabin in the woods and they're like, oh, hell no. And there's a killer on their tails. And the tagline is, yeah. not everybody could die first. <laughs> yeah. Yeah, I saw that. And, yeah, the tagline. I was yeah. like, oh, I don't know what this is, but you got me. Just just by the movie poster. <laughs> nice job. <laughs> yeah, because it's like, it's like a Saw-type movie where there's a killer and you have to play these certain games to survive. So the killer is like, well, you got to kill the most black person of your group. Who's the blackest of all your friends? And they're like, well, I'm not that black. I mean, I said the N-word a lot, but I'm not that black. And they're like, well, let's, like, let's sacrifice a nerdy guy. And he's like, oh, no, I'm not very black. He goes, I haven't even seen Friday. And they're like, what the fuck? You haven't seen Friday? He's like, no, and I voted for Trump twice. And they're like, oh, shit. <laughs> I, I was the only person laughing. I was the only person laughing. While this show was being played, everybody else was like, what the fuck is this? I was just cracking up. I was like, it's playing up all the tropes of black people in horror movies and black exploitation. And I was like, yeah, I'm going to be seeing the blackening when it comes out. I think it comes out this summer. But, you know, that was the other trailer that I saw. Where I was like, if you guys get a chance to check it out, well worth it. Um, the other show I wanted to talk about, I don't know if you guys happened to see it. I know, Ghoul, you said you did, but The Last Voyage of the Demeter. Did you have a chance to check that trailer out, Monkey? Yes, I did. Yeah, I got yeah, right. I got, uh, yeah, I got to check out the uh, 4K UHD trailer for the Last Voyage of Demeter. So, I mean, it's it's you know we're talking about Blade, we've been talking about Renfield. So, Monkey, what did you think about the Last Voyage of the Demeter trailer? Not my cup of tea. <laughs> it's hmm. like I, I you know because it's like you know interesting. Ah. We we know the story about the Demeter and you know crossing the sea and it comes and it arrives empty ex- except for the cargo mm-hmm. you know it it goes in the dock uh, you know pulls in the dock and it's just a ghost ship you know and this is supposed to be about all the fucked up shit that happened on the way but again it's just you know how I am about small space movies and sm- small cast movies and it's just you know it's just. You know the story there's you know, hopefully they do this right and yeah, you know, it's gonna be a total blood fest for you know once they set sail and <laughs> literally no one is gonna be safe. Because we already know the dog's not safe. <laughs> as soon as I saw that in the trailer, I was like, Oh man, the trailer's gonna make King cry. <laughs> yep, I was ready to go. Jump off the side. Jump off the side, dog, just paddle in the safety. Yeah. As soon as and then, then you know, but they should have been the dog. Yeah. But yeah, they show the dog and then they show a goat. And I'm like, dude, it should have been the dog all ripped apart, but instead it just obviously there's animals on their ship as well, so they showed the, the goat being torn open. Um, but yeah, cool. What'd you think about the trailer? I thought it was interesting. You know, like, uh, I, unlike you monkey, I do kind of like, uh, I like period piece types of films. Um, so, mm-hmm. so having this kind of cast, it's, I don't see it so much as like, Hey, we're going to choose to have a small cast as much as it's kind of more appropriate to the, to the time. 
you know, you, you could only fit so many people on a, on a ship like this. You only yeah. needed so many people working on it. So, um, you know, so, so I look at that and I'm like, okay, cool. You know, uh, we're going to, it, it looks to me like making a, a, a fun take on the vampire tale. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I agree. Um, you know, I like the ship. I like the look of it. Um, I like the fact that it's at sea, you know, and it's a period piece, like the Google said, I appreciate that as well. But I like the fact that they, they are taking this one chapter of Bram Stoker's Dracula, making it into a feature. But not only that, Dracula isn't Bela Lugosi in a tuxedo going, oh, the children of the night. Like, no, it's a fucking creature from hell. <laughs> and I was like, that is awesome. That's, the, that's how you yeah, do it. That's how you change up the story. Yeah, it's oh, a... It's a, um, it's a, a Yes, uh, yeah, I was going to say the same thing. Yeah, a nice reimagining of Nosferatu. Yeah, but even Max Shrek and, and Nosferatu looked like a, a, at least somewhat of a human. Like, this looks like a cryptid, like with its wings and its ears and its face. Like, it just looks like a complete creature uh, version of Dracula. And I kind of like that, a bloodthirsty monster that's not out there to seduce. It's out there just to get blood. And, of course, you know how yeah, it ends see, in the, the chapter, but, yeah. Hmm? The trailer that I saw... I mean, I don't know, maybe if it was a different one in the movie theater, but, like, you really don't see the creature. You only saw it, like, for, for quick snippets. And, uh, and again, I, I was happy with that, obviously, because, you know, you know me and spoilers, I, I can't stand them. Oh, 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 yeah, the trailer I watched, they, yeah, they showed it like a motherfucker. <laughs> yeah. Yeah, the one I saw in the movie theater, they definitely, definitely showed you what it's going to look like. Like, they, you know, it's, I mean, it's always night shots, because obviously he's not going to go out during the day, but the lightning crashes and stuff like that, you're like, okay, yeah, this is definitely a creature. You know, it's not even close to Nosferatu or, or Count Dracula, as you know him. But I think I appreciate that more. I think I like it when they turn him into a complete this fucking creature from hell rather than a, a traditional vampire. Yeah, I no, I, that. I, I'll and, take and a monster. Mm-hmm. And it's just, it's a, a fun way of doing it, hoping that it is good. I mean, we're getting a lot of vampire movies with Renfield now this and of course interviews the vampires so it seems like vampires are really just kind of here to stay uh we're gonna be talking about blade trinity later on but i just i don't know i'm a sucker for these movies and the more time i spend at the movies the better because that's my sanctuary i mean it's like i said i'm, I'm getting fucking free movies out the ass because i keep going <laughs> i just got another free movie for evil dead rides <laughs> i saw my credits and i'm like oh shit another free one yeah. I'm done. Yeah, I do have people, to. So I, I do have to admit the movie. The movie posters for Last Voyage of the Meter had me fucked up though for a second because you just see the silhouette of the movie poster and it's just the silhouette of the creature's head. And I was like, "What the fuck is old school Wolverine doing in this weird ass Victorian?" <laughs> <'Cause>, <laughs> he could have been there. Wolverine. No, it's, no it's but not the beyond Logan. It looks like an old school Wolverine <laughs> mask. <laughs> yeah. It is oddly shaped like that. Um, <clears throat> but either way, looking forward to it. Um, so real quick, um, it was announced earlier this week that Carol Locatell, best known as Ethel, a.k.a. Ma, from Friday the 13th, Part 5, A New Beginning, passed away. And, you know, I saw a lot of people posting about that, and I was kind of glad because I feel like Part 5 always gets kind of kicked to the side. People are always like, eh, it's not that great. But it is good. <laughs> it is a great movie. Like, it's just Part so 5 is fun. a lot of fun. <laughs> it's just, I mean, you got damn enchiladas with demons, and then you get, you know, boobs every five seconds. Like, you just, you know, it's a killer that's not Jason. You know, little Pamela Voorhees. fucking asshole. 
<laughs> yep. And of course, Man, uh, Melanie Kinnaman, you know, in the movie, just looking fine as shit. Um, Ghoul got the meter, which is awesome. But yeah, I just, I, I think part five deserves a lot more respect than it gets. I mean, Ma is a fucking insane character. She lives in the middle of the woods, and all she wants to do is stop kitchen fucking. And give her son stew that looks like something that I would never want to eat my entire life. And then she spits in it at one point, so you know that it's got no flavor. There's nothing but water and fucking <laughs> vegetables floating on the top. I knew you could you stay away that? from my stew. <clears throat> Come on here, Julian, and get your stew. Go get him, Ma. He hit me, Ma. He's going to kill him, Ma. Kill him, Ma. <laughs> 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 yep, because little Tommy Jarvis learned Kung Fu while being locked up. Just went total fucking yeah. Kung Fu on and kicking him. Something, <laughs> you know, karate. Because it was the 80s, man. Day. Everybody knew karate in the 80s. <laughs> you just wouldn't think that Tommy being locked up for as long as he would would learn that, but he did. Probably watched a lot of Kung Fu on TV, and he's like, I could do that. He's got nothing but time, hey. you know, being in his mental hey. hospital. Just like Michael Myers learning how to drive a car. <laughs> yeah. I mean, I guess if you're locked up in the 80s in a mental hospital, you weren't a lot of skills. In the 70s, you weren't how to drive. In the 80s, you weren't how to do Kung Fu. I think in the 90s, I don't know. 90s, I guess, you just don't do anything. You just hang out. Talk about how the world sucks. No, you no, <laughs> no, you, no, you learn, you, no, you, you learn how to uh, pirate the Internet and be a hacker. That, that's what you learned in the 90s. <laughs> Well, you got all these magnitude skills. <laughs> and every what time are you, you to get in, you have to say, I'm in. <laughs> that he was a hacker? No. Yeah, he wasn't a hacker. He just, Who, know, me? We're not going to say he. He doesn't know a lot of us. Well, you, you, you mean what I learned when I was in lockup? <laughs> <laughs> he just wore sunglasses and just typed on a computer all day long going, I'm in. We don't know what he was into, but he was in. <laughs> Like, does he even know that he's just typing in a Microsoft Word document? No, let's not tell him. Guys, I'm in. Like, nope, he's, he's just hanging out. <laughs> we don't have the heart to tell him that's not even plugged in anymore. <laughs> we unplugged it. <laughs> I got the code. Yeah, guys. he's in. I'm in. Yeah. He did, his character died of dysentery again on that fucking Apple II with the Oregon Trail. <laughs> I mean, he's been playing for like a year. I don't think he's going to get anywhere. <laughs> he doesn't want to buy supplies. That's the thing. He's like, I don't need supplies. I'll get over that river. No. My, no, my problem was I'd always go hunting for food and then use up the ammo and then come back and my family would be dead because I didn't realize I'd been gone for like 10 days or some shit. <laughs> <laughs> Yeah, I was always trying to shoot to like food. I was always trying to shoot the fucking wildlife. I was literally like you know just running willy nilly all over the street. I was like, oh fuck, that's right. I got to get back to the people. <laughs> oh my god, I have a family. Oh no, I don't. <laughs> Not anymore. Create a family line. <laughs> off to They're California. Well, good. Oh, I'm gonna start a new life somewhere else. <laughs> oh no! I've I got didn't like him very much. Ah! <laughs> oh, I pooped my pants. See that? That would be the best ending. Your family dies. You're all excited about it. You're about to start a new life. You get dysentery and you shit yourself to death. Game over. <laughs> no, but I was about to start anew. 
I was gonna get a hot <laughs> wife this time and not have any kids. Damn it. Dysentery. It's a silent killer that nobody tells you about. Should have watched my ass. <laughs> um all right, so there are two screen-related things I want to talk about because they're so fucking absurd that I felt like I wanted to bring it up, and I brought one of them up in the group chat. So Drew Barrymore, who starred as Casey Becker in the first screen, she's turned now into like a daytime talk show host. But she was recently yeah. on her show about the possibility that her character, Casey, could have survived. She said it's funny. I've never thought of it this way, but I'm pretty sure a C-section is comparable to what happened to her. Barrymore then went on oh to say, God. like, literally, I'm here, I'm fine. So maybe Casey Becker will be okay. No, I'm pretty sure when your intestines are on the outside of your body, you're dead. Pretty sure that means that you're not coming back. Because you were hung from that tree, saw the guts, and I saw the liver and the spleen <laughs> in the mailbox. Like Randy said, they were there. But I well, just, it's well, insane. well, wait, like, wait. That might have <clears> been rumor. You know what I mean? He might not have known that for sure. He was maybe just kind of going with whatever he was hearing. But, yeah. He was going with his gut? Definitely. He was going with his gut. But, yeah, I would definitely. Maybe you should yeah, live alone, am I right? Live alone? Live alone. Ah! You know? You live alone. We shouldn't even have to explain this, okay? But we, we obviously ah! do. She's, she's, she's quite vain. It's like, hey, what did they talk to you guys about? Well, they asked me and Billy if we knew how to gut the, like a deer. Well, what's that doing with anything? Well, like a human, you just, you know, gut them from growing the sternum. I'm not a killer. <laughs> I just I love that line where he's like talking about it and Bill's like, Shut the fuck up, dude. Shut the fuck up. He's like, What? What? Oh shit, that's right. That's right. That's right. <laughs> I'm gonna I don't know how to go to deer, by the way, guys. <laughs> Completely normal. Um so yeah, again, it's absurd. Like her character is dead, she was gutted, hung from a tree. It's not like a C section, I'm sorry. <laughs> Like, it's not a C-section. Your guts were on the ground. But you could always come back as a ghost, Casey. I would love to see that. <laughs> the Casey Becker force ghost. Scre- like the Disney Scream Bill Ghost Scream 5. <laughs> yeah. Where she just shows up and she's like, I'm fine, guys. I'm in heaven now. Like, oh, God. Like, stop. So, and now I knew who the killer in front of the 13th was. <laughs> it's Casey. It's Casey. Uh. Wrong. <laughs> you don't know harm movie trivia. Is that you, King? No. Stop tracking my number. <laughs> I've seen that movie so many times. <laughs> well, if you really knew the movie, you would know that it was his mother in part one. Jason didn't show up till the sequel. You lose. <laughs> you tricked me. It's <laughs> not fair. No, not, I've, I've well, watched the you, Barrymore show a number of times. And I mean, you know... No, Knowing how people are with stuff, I mean, I, I would also have to say you probably take what she says with, like, a, a grain of salt because she is kind of comedic. And uh, you know, so she probably really did mean it in a joking manner. But, uh, uh, no. Yeah, hopefully. Uh, I love you. Yeah. And, and on the flip side, Matt, like, seriously, mad props to her. You're getting, like, that daytime money and shit. You go to Walmart, you see all this Drew Barrymore show endorsed, like, 
you know, shit all in the kitchenware area and shit like that. So, you know, <laughs> holy shit. <laughs> yeah, I mean, good for her branding, just like Oprah did back in the day. She got that money, got paid. You see the Oprah said mm-hmm. approval, you were going to buy it. <laughs> I mean, I've never understood daytime television, mostly because I'm not around to watch it, but I don't know. It just it seems like I would just be terribly just not uncomfortable watching daytime television because it's always like, hey, well, we're talking to Chef Taylor who's going to be making stuffed chili rellenos today. Oh, like, stop it. Please stop. Well, like, this was a well, that, you you know, you have to, like, have feelings, King. And we all know you don't have Which them. I'm notorious for not having. <laughs> I just, you know, I, I don't want to see Kelly Clarkson talking about her top five favorite fucking CDs of the month. Like, I, I don't need that. In my oh, life. Sh- man. She annoys the fuck out of me on her shit. <laughs> you know, yeah, it's, I, I don't know. I, you know, then it's, I, I don't know. I'm just, I'm not a fan of the talk shows in general because I, I just, especially Jimmy Fallon. Where he's just like, I want to play fucking wacky games with these celebrities, and it's like, hey guys, stop. <laughs> like, oh, I'm yeah. gonna play volleyball with fucking Tom Cruise. Cause remember that movie, Top Gun, right? Like, stop. Yeah, man, fucking Jimmy Fallon. I can't Thanks, man. Jimmy Fallon. Bro. He, he showed he showed up at a goose show and sang with him. <laughs> Wasn't that nice? Good, good to be Jimmy Fallon. I just I don't know. I mean, I'm happy that they're all making money, but things I just I can't stand fucking. Late night television, can't stand daytime television. I just don't watch it. <laughs> it's all just fluff, and I don't like fluff. Um, so, join this, this is going to come back and haunt you back. when you when you turn out to be a, a late night talk show host, King. <laughs> this soundbite's going to come back. Mm-hmm. <laughs> if that ever happens, it's not me. That's my fucking us doppelganger. That's not me. Like my us doppelganger isn't evil. He's actually a really fucking nice guy and very sweet, <laughs> as opposed to me, who's just fucking jaded and doesn't like anything. So it'd be like the flip of us. Like my dog and show would be like, hey, guys, I just want to let you know, okay, I love you, and I bought you all new watches, and uh, yeah, let's, let's hang out. Let's have a picnic. Let's do it. Guys, have you seen the latest episode of The View? It was shockingly good. That's not me. That's not me. Stop talking to you. My best friend. Wait a second. The king doesn't see. Oh, my God. Meanwhile, I'm chilling. Wow. <laughs> Guys, you got to save me. My happy doppelganger is out there. He's actually really pleasant, man. <laughs> He's got a positive attitude about things. I mean, have you tried his teach? It's amazing. Like, I think your guy and is dude, pretty fucking awesome. And he loves Disney movies. Oh, my God. The ghoul and I are so happy that we have someone to talk to about Disney movies. <laughs> he owns them all on physical media. VHS and DVD. He's got the old VHS clam show. VHS to the uh, movies, right? <laughs> yeah. You know, he cries <laughs> on the Lion King and he was singing along to whatever that movie is with the, the, the fucking thing and the princess thing, whatever that movie was. He was singing along to that. Like, yeah, we, we think we want to keep him around. You mean I don't know, no, Beauty and the Beast? The, the one with the fucking, uh, the, the little people, with the fucking hats, that movie, whatever that one was. Like, they were like slaves to a coal mine, and then the chick was like, Charlie oh, hey. Are you killing the like, little hey. people? Are, are you yeah, talking about Snow White? Yeah, the one where the, <laughs> are you where talking the chick, about... um, the, 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 the girl, you're right, like, there's, there's like seven, yeah, seven, yeah, that's right, the gnomes, right, the gnomes? 
Okay, okay you're talking about Snow. You're talking about the seven dwarves. Right, the seven dwarves. <laughs> <laughs> and they're slaves, the and they like work in a coal uh, mine. Holy shit, King! <laughs> was, that, was that the one with the chick, where like she got kissed against her will in the woods? Was that that one? Like she like she gets like killed by a witch, and then like a dude shows up in the woods and kisses her, and she's like, "Oh my god, hey!" And he's like, "Cool." Yeah. Like was that that one? Kind of, yeah. Yeah, yeah, yeah. 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 Mm-hmm. Okay. That's it. So what was Switching Then was that the same thing? Because wasn't Switching Judy yeah, the same no thing way. when the chick's like, "I'm in the woods, and you got to come kiss me and wake me up." Okay, uh, maybe, maybe I need to. Play. Yeah, that, that's totally Snow White. For one of your picks this year. I just I get those confused all the time. So I'm like, both of them have like unconscious girls in the woods and getting kissed by dudes, right? That's why I always get them confused. Snow White is the one who has an unconscious chick in the woods, yes. In a glass coffin. Oh, it was a glass coffin? Well, who built that? It's fancy. The dwarves. The, the dwarves. dwarves. Built it. The dwarves <laughs> built her a glass coffin? They are talented. Yeah. They, yeah that's that's, that's amazing. Like, you think they'd do better than working in a mine all day long if they could build glass coffins? Seems like they make a fucking <laughs> bank business. It's all about the gems, well, bro. <laughs> gems? What do you think? This is Zoolander? They're working in the coal mine? <laughs> That's what I thought. I thought they were coal miners. I don't know. No. Oh, they're dwarves, <laughs> they're, bro. No. Yeah. So they're, they're looking for diamonds? Yeah. yeah. Gems? Gemstones, bro. Why would dwarves yeah. like? I mean, you've seen The Hobbit. You know what dwarves fucking find under the ground? No. What do they find? And then they and then they gold. And then they fucking lose their shit if you take their allspark. (laughs) Allspark. Were they transformers? Sorry, sorry, that's transformers. (laughs) Yeah, I was like allspark. I was like, what? The transformers show up? (laughs) Wow. I mean, I'd watch if the transformers showed up. Like all of a sudden, and you know, I don't know. So what? uh, Yeah, I don't know. So like, Sleeping Beauty was the other one where where she got like. uh, Got knocked out by a witch and should be kissed to be woken up to? Yeah, she like pricked. Yeah, she that's like why she's sleeping. Dumb shit. <laughs> it's it's yeah yeah I don't know like those movies confuse. It seems like a lot of sleepy no. women that get like picked up by like handsome fucking princes and shit like that where it shouldn't happen like that. Like she didn't ask to kiss. I mean, she was like you say this like that's not real life. Yeah, well, you should just got fantasy in these movies. You don't want real life. Like, yeah, so I, I don't know. <laughs> I, I, as you can tell, okay. folks, I've not seen these movies. I have no idea. There's probably people listening right now that are fucking yelling at their fucking computers. You don't fuck those fucking dwarves, and they had fucking names, and they were adorable. Like, I'm like, I don't know. Oh, come on, they're yelling at the fucking computer saying, talk about horror movies, assholes. Why are you talking about Disney shit? But you wait, yeah. Bill, okay? You wait. Our next pick's going to be like Maleficent, okay? Because we're, we're going to have some fucking fun with the king this year. Oh, okay. I don't know what that is, but all right. Anyway, so yeah, let's get back into horror because what I was talking about is that there's another actress from the screen movies that wants to jump on the should I come back in the next screen movie, and that would be Parker Posey, who is also in the movie we're going to be talking about tonight. She played Jennifer Jolie in Scream 3, and she thinks that she can come back despite being killed in the third film. I mean, 
she could possibly come back because unlike Casey, she just gets stabbed a couple times. But I don't really see why she should come back for another screen movie. But she was talking to comicbook.com, and it turns out that Radio Silence, the directors behind Screen 5 and 6, were listening in on a recent interview she had done. And she had said, well, I did an interview with WNYC Radio like three weeks ago for the play I was doing. And they said, well, there's some people here that want to say hi and happen to be the screen team of Radio Silence. And I actually pitched, can I just be in another dimension and come back and continue to, I hope so, and play the character of Jennifer Jolie again? I would love to do that. So, again, another actress joining in and probably should come back. Um, so we'll see. I mean, Radio Silence actually listening to that interview was kind of nice, but they might just be Parker Posey fans. You know, they can just you know, enjoy her and what she does. So, <laughs> we'll see what happens with that. So I'm just going to bring everybody team, back. And nobody actually does. Yeah, they, like Stu Mocker is going to come back. Everybody that got killed is going to come back in some way, shape, or form. Well, and no. We'll they'll just, all be forced to. We'll, we're going to stay with the Wes Craven line of thinking, right? What are we coming up to next? Uh, Scream 7. Meta. Right? So now if we go by the same mm-hmm. thing, Scream 7 should be New Nightmare, which would then be meta, yes. which means that the movies mm-hmm. are just movies, and therefore all of the actors are just simply performers, and instead all of them are still really alive. And they have children and, and all that stuff, and mm-hmm. we will see what happens when, when reality hits the Scream franchise, just like we saw what happened when reality hit the uh, the Nightmare on Elm Street franchise. But we get Demon Ghost. Yeah, that was... <laughs> oh man! <clears throat> I'll never forget that movie, New Nightmare. I didn't get to see it in theaters, but I did rent it, and I remember this fondly because my grandfather, on my father's side, uh, took me to a video store when I was a kid, and he's like, "Well, I got to babysit you. Your dad's at work." He's like, "You can just rent whatever you want. I really don't care." And I've said this on the show before, but I had a choice between Jason Goes to Hell or New Nightmare, and I chose New Nightmare, and. I remember my grandfather looking up at the TV at one point, and he's like, why do you like this garbage? I'm like, it's not garbage. It's uh-huh. <laughs> and then he just went back to his newspaper, and he just looked <laughs> up again and saw Demon Freddy, and he's like, oh, God. I'm like, it's good. It's Freddy. Like, you know? um, I always have that memory of watching New Nightmare with my grandfather reading a newspaper, looking up every now and then, just hearing me go, ugh. <laughs> Might have been the longest movie you probably ever had in six years. <laughs> like an hour and a half, but to him it probably felt like four hours. <laughs> it just couldn't end fast enough. And I mean, it's not a great movie, but it, it's a cool kind of concept that Wes tried to do, you know, presenting Freddy as a demon. Just execution wasn't that great. Um, but moving on, uh, Dean has often spoke about on-set cinema. They're the team that's been known in the past for screening movies at the locations where they were shot. And on Monday, July 19th and Tuesday, June 20th, Onset Cinema will be in Argyle, New York, where there will be a screening of 1983's Sleepaway Camp at the actual camp where it was shot. Fans will enjoy an entire day at the former camp. There will be swimming and kayaking in the lake where a ton of scenes took place, a filming location's walking tour, a screening of the movie where the infamous Angela ending scene took place, and an overnight tent camping experience to immerse you fully into Camp Arawak. So I thought that was kind of cool. It's going to be a weekend full of so many fucking dildos being thrown all over the place. (laughs) There's going to be a lot of dicks. It's probably going to be a lot of fun. But again, you know, check out on Google. Because it's a camping experience. Everybody gets dildos. 
It's not possible. It's spoiler to the 1983 slasher film. Why? Yeah. <laughs> okay. So okay. So may, maybe not so so many dildos. Maybe some curling irons too. <laughs> sure. Gotta bring the curling. Yeah, yeah. Absolutely. And a lot of Megs, and a lot of confusion. A lot of Aunt Martha's going, "Oh my!" And just you know, wildly acting. <laughs> but I would love to do it. But <clears throat> you know, that's in uh, June. Um, Cocaine Bear is officially now streaming on Peacock. And as a bonus, there's a documentary on the streaming service that goes into detail about the true story of Cocaine Bear. Just wanted to drop that in there. Like, uh, uh, Monkey, if you want to watch Cocaine Bear, you can now. It's on Peacock. So yes, you can so we, we are planning on watching that. Uh, yeah, we're planning on watching both of those along with the last episode of Mandalorian this weekend. And the ghoul and I will give you our thoughts on the season as a whole next week. Yeah, so I'm looking forward to that. King yeah. cannot wait. Actually, I don't mind because it makes my job a little easier for horror news. I don't have to scramble as much to fill up the time. You know, I can just watch you guys go. I can sit back, you know, have a beer, you know, and just let you guys go and, and talk about the Mando. Um, so two more things before we go into the movie for tonight. So. Um, well, I think one thing I remember back see in, with the uh, with, uh, with 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 uh, Cocaine Bear isn't there like a, a new version too that's out on physical media and on digital. Uh, it's like the maximum oh, so, uh, on cocaine. digital. There's yeah. like a maximum cocaine or some shit like that. Yeah, I saw that. Now that's not yeah. on Peacock that version. No, yeah, that the the Peacock version, regular version, maximum carnage version is the uh, I think on digital and on physical. So you're probably better off getting it on digital. I don't know what's going to be different because the movie itself is fucking amazing, but <laughs> I can't wait to pick up the DVD when it comes out because I am a fan of physical media. And that's why I wanted to talk about this uh, before we get into the movie. Physical media taking a hit as Netflix announced that it will be ending their DVD shipping service after keeping it running for a whopping 25 years. According to Netflix, things, the final disc will be shipped on September 29, 2023, I don't care what anybody says, physical media fucking rules, but it's kind of like an end of an era because that's how Netflix started. You know, not a lot of people remember that, um, where you fucking went online and you rented your movie and it would come in the little envelope and you could keep it for as long the as The little want. red envelope. Just, <laughs> that's right. But uh, say no more. Get, and you wouldn't get your next that's movie until you sent it back. <laughs> yep. Yep. But that's going to be gone as of September 29th. They're getting rid of that and focusing more on this streaming and and moving forward because they said it's kind of like a dying industry, physical media. But I mean, if you look at somebody, I had no idea they were even still doing that, man. I know that. Yeah, they were a long time ago. Yeah. Yeah, Nope. It's been going ever since it started, you know, but now they found an end game in sight for that. Um, So the last thing I wanted to say was that if you miss Eddie Munson as much as I do from stranger things, you're going to be in luck because the character will be returning, albeit in a book format. Stranger Things, Flood of Icarus, will be a prequel story and will tell you the origins of Hellfire Club president Eddie Munson. And you can pick up a copy when it releases on the greatest day of the year, October 31st. So you can pick up the origin story of Eddie Munson and how he became to be. Uh, I will definitely be picking that up because I love Eddie Munson. character was great. <laughs> That season four with him in it uh, was perfect. So I'm looking forward to the prequel story. We're never going to get, uh, you know, Joseph Quinn back, obviously. 
he did. <laughs> but his story could live on in a prequel form. Well, yeah, I mean, if he's like Casey Becker, it could just be like a C-section. And you can come yes. back from that. <laughs> Everybody can so, always come back when you're in magical <clears throat> worlds, man. Yeah, as a force ghost, I'm sure. Just like Billy Wilmot in Scream 5. <laughs> and he just shows up and, yeah, it, it's fucking terrible. <laughs> um, Use the phone. But so it, <laughs> Use the knife, Sydney. Use the knife. Good, good. <laughs> what the fuck is this all about? Why there he is. I, I thought I heard Loomis there. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, Loomis is always around. He's always hanging around me. Guy never leaves. <laughs> Loomis hanging and out with Kenobi on Tatooine. <laughs> <laughs> well, that's because Loomis is my force ghost. Every time I wake up and having a bad day, he's just there. He's like, Go do it, King. Go do it for you. I'm like, thank you. I'm say, well, you can clean up after yourself. You're in the fucking mess. <laughs> Standing there, just holding a oh, yellow bic lighter. <laughs> yeah, and he doesn't have a light lighter. I'll never use lighter. lighter. <laughs> yeah, the monkey knows that. I will never use another lighter that's not yellow. <laughs> All the lighters that I use are fucking yellow bics, because that's the one he used in Halloween too. Not a smoker, but he did blow up Michael. And himself. <laughs> so, uh, okay. So that being said, we have a movie to talk about tonight, Blade Trinity from 2004, directed by David S. Goyer. Ghoul, this is your pick, so give us a synopsis and uh, what you thought about it. Uh, hey, motherfuckers. The Blade is back. <laughs> Not going to say a lot. I'm going to pay Wesley Snipes <laughs> a lot of money to have literally about a half a page worth of dialogue. But he's going to take his <laughs> vampire ass, and we're going to see a bunch of other nonsense. And there's some shirtless dude named Drake running around. I think he's Dracula. <laughs> Maybe. I think he's <laughs> But that's how we do it in the world of Blade. So, so yeah, I mean, here, here we we have fucking Blade Trinity, okay? So look, I, okay, I, I was a Blade fan. You know, I loved the first Blade movie. Saw it in theaters. Was fucking super stoked, mm-hmm. you know. And uh, and then and then we got Guillermo del Toro put out Blade Two, and you know, just when you thought like, holy shit, you know, Blade was really good. It was much better than it should have been. Like you know, like it's gonna mm-hmm. be a sequel. It should be. It should be okay. Mm-hmm. And, and and here is this Spanish director who, using some of the mechanics from a, a little-known movie that he did called Kronos, which had some, some, some similar, like, themes to it, gave you a fucking comic book masterpiece almost movie, you know, with Blade Two. And then you had Blade Trinity, you know, because where else do you go after that? But fucking, you know, Ryan Reynolds, because, hey, it's fucking early 2000s, and, well, Van Wilder was popular, and we're going to make this fucking guy a star. And, well, you know what? Because it's also the early 2000s, we're going to use a WWE superstar, because, well, those guys are good actors, too. Um, yeah, and, and, and of course, we're going we're gonna, to... We're going to pay our star, Wesley Snipes, who, you know, was he was a huge proponent in getting Blade put to screen. You know, from the very beginning, yeah. he was a huge fan of, of the comic book. 
Uh, he got his ass into shape for it. He, he, you know, he learned, he knows martial arts. So like, you know, a lot of the stunts he was doing, um, but yeah, this is definitely one of those cases in which it was like, hey, this is a paycheck. I'm really not. I, 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 there was a lot of fucking animosity going on with this movie, so you see it clearly. Is that right? Um, so, so see, seeing this in, in, well, I remember when it was coming out, they were just talking all kinds of shit about it because, again, like I guess Wesley really wasn't cooperative. Um, and I think Shocker. some of that had to do with. Uh, the fact that he had like that upcoming tax thing going on that he ended up leaving the country for yeah. and going to jail and all that nonsense. <laughs> um, but anyway, I saw, I saw, this, Taxing, I saw motherfucker. this in theaters. <laughs> exactly. You know, terminal velocity. You know, is it, no, it's not the one that he jumped out of the fucking plane. I forget which one that was. A, he he did one of those along with Passenger Fifty Seven. There you go. I knew there was a movie with the plane and Wesley Snipes in it. Um. Yeah, but then oh, there's yeah, the, so, uh, yeah. the skydiving one too. To Wong Fu with love? Which? No, that's the no, the, <laughs> no, the skydiving one. <laughs> Which one was the skydiving one? Uh, anyway, so regardless, I saw this in the theater, and you know what? At that time, I was like, wow. I forget that sequels can be really bad sometimes. And, uh, and, and yeah, that, that was kind of my feelings walking out of the, the movie initially. It's, it's been a while since I revisited it, let alone revisiting the, uh, the unrated edition that I do remember coming out on, like, DVD at some point, uh, which is the one, of course, that I had you guys watch this, this, this time around. Because why not watch it with a little bit, like, little tweaks here and there to, to make it so much better? Mm-hmm. No, yeah. monkey. How did you feel about Blade Three? All right. First of all, the Wesley Snipes skydiving movie was Drop Zone. All right. <laughs> oh, okay. Drop Zone. Drop Zone. But, but okay. But um, yeah. Thanks for picking this because I've never seen this movie before, and because I've never seen a Blade movie before. Oh, what at Blade all? Wow. Been on the third one. <laughs> I, you know what, I, and I will say this: I thought we covered the first movie. Didn't you like pick that as one no. of the picks like a week, like uh, a year or two ago? We never covered Blade on the show before. I would remember that. Really? Okay. See, I, I one of the reasons yeah. I did Blade Three was because I, I, was, I assumed we had done Blade One. Yeah. No. So, no. so I, uh, it was just one of those things where I, I didn't watch it just because it didn't strike me as interesting, but also. When those movies were coming out, I was having really bad times with my ex-wife. Um, you know, we were still together and shit, but she was fucking loving these movies, and I was like, I don't, and I don't want to have anything to do with the movie that she likes. I, I don't want to even be in the same room with her. You know, all all I remember is seeing a dance party going on with a shitload of blood coming down, and then Blade zapping a fat dude with a a big uh, UV light. That's all I remember from, from the first two movies. <laughs> <laughs> Those were the only scenes I saw. Um, so this movie, like, going in, it's like I hadn't really read the Blade comics. Like, I knew of the character and knew of the Midnight Suns and stuff like that, but never really got into the Blade character. All I knew was he was half vampire, half human. I didn't know the rules of vampires coming into this movie, you know, so them just going up and puffing the smoke and shit totally threw me off. <laughs> um, you know, I guess that makes it for easy cleanup. Ah, yeah. Um, but yeah, this movie, I was like just surprised on how much 
fucking bad this movie was. I was like, man, not not even Deadpool could save this movie. I'm sorry, Ryan Reynolds playing what was going to later be Deadpool. Uh, um, he's pretty much Deadpool like, in this movie. Yeah, yeah, he's yeah, he's pretty much Deadpool in this movie. Uh, so, so like, which would be the next one? Like, X Men or Wolverine? I'm looking at you. <laughs> um, um, yeah, so I was just thrown off by like how bad all of the acting was in this movie across the board, and it's just I just you know ghouls that you're a big fan of Blade here were the were the first two movies this bad or were they actually way way better? No, like uh, I said, man, really, the first two movies were great. The first film. So the first film really kind of establishes all of these rules and all of these things that, that you're wondering about uh, and really establishes the world. You get Stephen Dorff as Deacon Frost, a fantastic villain as well. Um, yeah. You, my only complaint about the first film, and it's got, I think, a lot to do with how it was filmed and the fact that it was like a real big DVD movie, it's dark. Um, yeah. Meaning yep. it's filmed dark. It's hard to see. Um, and it was even back then. Blade 2 is a okay. phenomenal film. And I just mean it is just yeah. a phenomenal film. So it is just, it, I cannot recommend that one enough. I, I assumed you'd seen the Blade movies before. I, I no, no, I, I have not. Okay. So, so that's kind of makes it all, so all the better that you've seen the worst one. <laughs> so then couple all of that, you know, with then, you know, going here and I say Blade, and then I'm like, man. Blade doesn't say much in these fucking movies, does he? It's like, fuck it, man. It's like, this is weird for Wesley Snipes not to sit there and be like a, a witty, snappy motherfucker in a movie here, you know, shooting lines left and right. Because I'm used to fucking Demolition Man, you know, Wesley Snipes, where, you know, he he's just chatty all over the fucking place. But, yeah, you know. So, yeah. It, it was definitely interesting, you know. And then <laughs> to have Triple H in there with his, you know, like his things that I don't know what they're supposed to be made out of because steel would rust. Silver hurts vampires in this movie, and that's what you normally use for teeth. You know, so I'm guessing like maybe they were aluminum or some shit, and why the fuck that's did you have metal things? <laughs> like, I, I was like, you know, like, part because part of me, like, at the beginning, you know, when we started seeing stuff, is like, is he like a fake vampire or some shit? And he's just going around these <laughs> fake teeth in his mouth. I, I don't fucking know. But yeah, we'll get into all of this when we get to it. Uh, King, what did you think of this movie, man? Uh, like the ghoul, I've seen all three in the theaters. Uh, one, two, and three. And this is definitely the weakest of the three. Like part two is, is phenomenal action. Guillermo del Toro knows what he's doing to bring the horror. And then you get this one where, like the ghoul said, there's a lot of problems you know, behind the scenes, and you could just tell. Like, I actually like Parker Posey in this movie. Like, I liked her look. I liked her attitude. You know, she's not always as annoying as she is in some other movies. But who Triple H. Stick to wrestling, buddy. <laughs> <laughs> just, like, his line delivery is so fucking clunky and so <laughs> What are we doing over here? Like, like just stop. <laughs> it just it was bad. Um, you know, I was waiting for him to give a pedigree at one point, just to be like, see, guys, remember, <laughs> in the WWE, <laughs> you know, and like I was saying in the group chat last night, why didn't he ever say, let's get ready to fuck it? Like, I was like, that's awesome. <laughs> this makes it better because he's a vampire. He's just blood, but <clears throat> never really got there. Um, 
you know, we haven't talked about Jessica Biel, you know, coming off of Seventh Heaven and then being in this movie as Abigail Whistler and, you know, got to listen to my yeah, fucking tune and like kill people. <clears throat> just, <laughs> it's just a weird movie. It's a weird one to go out on. And then having Dominic Purcell play Dracula, <clears throat> excuse me, uh, just a weird choice for Dracula because he just looks like a Jersey boy, you know, a Jersey Shore guy. Poor, it's a I, I thought movie. he was like the weird one. I thought he was like poor, poor man's jump at pizza. <laughs> <laughs> he just, yeah, he, he, he's Drake in this movie. But uh, as we get into this movie, as we open up, uh, we see four vampires in military gear walk into an ancient stone structure in the Syrian desert of Iraq. They're looking to reawaken Dracula. They eventually find him, and after he kills one of the vampires, the three look on in terror as Mecha Dracula arises. Uh, yep, that's all Mecha gear that he's coming up with, you know, and rising from his tomb. Uh, and then we cut to TV show host Bentley Tittle, interviewing Make Edgar Vance, forensic psychiatrist, <laughs> and Martin Lee, chief of police. Vance is there to talk about his new book and vampires. Reed is there to debunk the rumors about the existence of vampires. The conversation soon turns to the topic of Blade. Reed thinks he's a criminal, and Vance thinks Blade is out killing aspects of himself, not vampires. But guess what? We're going to cut to an explosion where Blade is fucking slaying vampires. So you get your big fucking opening action set piece where he's just slaying vampires left and right, he eventually follows a few vampires at flee, and he's aided by Abraham Whistler, who is in a truck following along. Blade manages to land on the truck's trailer and climb inside the back, and then into a car, which I'm sure the monkey will tell you what it is, because I was like, oh, muscle car. He'll know the year, he'll know the make, he'll know the model, you know, as he's giving his chase. Um, Blade manages to kill all but one of the surviving vampires who crawls from the wreckage of a car, holding a gun, which causes the witness to flee from the scene. He's got a gun! Blade pulls out some <laughs> puts him in his gun, and shoots the vampire, who turns out to be a human. It's a trap. He's been set up by Danica. It's a trap! From the oh my god, you made a, a Star trap. Wars joke. <laughs> totally made a Star Wars joke. <laughs> I did. Are you guys proud of me? I think I earned my star for the I day. am. Um, <laughs> so the police arrive on the scene, and Blade takes off. Later, we see Danica uploading the footage she shot of Blade killing the human as Blade returns to his safe house. Whistler has no idea what happened, and Blade doesn't either. Blade's been getting sloppy recently, and he hopes that nobody saw him kill this guy. Whistler then gives him makeshift inhaler so Blade can get his serum faster. And then we cut back to FBI HQ. We see Detective Ray Cumberland watching the footage of Danica's shot playing on the news. She leaked the footage anonymously, and now Cumberland, along with his partner, Detective Wilson, are on Blade's trail. Fucking Ajax! Uh, uh, yeah, <laughs> it's, it's, it's Ajax from Warriors, man. And it's fucking rodent from Mortal Kombat. Yeah. And also from Too Fast, Too Furious, where he was also an FBI agent. So, cutting back to the who watching Fast and Furious movies. Mm-hmm. Um, See, it all comes around. So we cut back to Danica as she's joined by her associates, including Triple H, as they watch thermal footage of Dracula feeding on people. Danica goes into the cell where Dracula is being held. At first, Dracula appears to be a reaper-like vampire with a predator mouth, but he soon morphs into human form and tells Danica that she shouldn't have awoken him. Danica tells him that this blood that he has within him can set them free. He just doesn't seem to care. She wants him to kill Blade, well, just to show Dracula well, much of to do it. Yes. 
So see, like now, here, here's where, like, okay, <clears throat> let's 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 just have a little bit fun now, monkey. You know, again, I'm sorry because here we are. We're gonna do okay. the third movie, so you're gonna you're gonna get some spoilers for like the second stuff, right? So now the first Dude, yeah. film like establishes establishes everything with like this this whole war that is going on between you know between humans and vampires and blade being this hybrid you know he he is a a, the ultimate slayer because he is the day walker he can go out in the sun Mm -hmm. and still you know and still hunt these fuckers you know in in blade 2 you you get you get the point where the vampires in their desperation to to prevent Blade from fucking offing them all because he's kicking so much ass. Like, they've, they've taken to desperate methods and they crafted a, a bigger, better vampire, or so they thought. You know, instead they kind of created a bunch of fucking uh, Flocka. You know that whole fucking drug that, that the people take in, like, California that turns them into zombies and mm-hmm. they start trying to eat people and shit like that? They basically made, like, the Flocka version of vampires. There were all kinds of fucking Nosferatu <laughs> out, but instead of having, like, regular fangs and shit like that, their mouths go into this whole predator thing, and they also feed on other vampires, which is where the big problem is. Mm-hmm. So instead of them being able to use them just to kill Blade, they're now busy worried about themselves getting fucking offed by the creation that they made, and therefore they kind of have to do the whole, like I always say, what do you do with a proper fucking sequel? What should Pitch Perfect have done? You know, you're supposed to team up with the fucking people that you were fighting in the first movie. Vampires and Blade have to team up together. Again, Monkey, I cannot tell you to go see fucking Blade 2 enough. <laughs> so it's, it's, yeah. You will love the movie. I recommend. You will honestly love everything about the film. So this is what makes this whole entire thing funny, though. It was like, hey, we need to make a third Blade movie, but how are we going to make a vampire better than what Guillermo del Toro did? And they're like, well... We have no fucking idea, but this is a Marvel comic, and Dracula is one of our characters. Why don't we just make Dracula exactly like those vampires? Because that's pretty much what they did. They just took Guillermo del Toro's fucking creation and just applied it to Dracula. And then they said nothing about it. They never make any mention about anything else that ever fucking (laughs) happened in any film prior. So, no. Yeah. 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 And and like I I said, I know Wesley Snipes had all kinds of problems with this film, you know, because he ended up suing them. They ended up suing him. He supposedly had no say. He had no say in casting. He had no say in script. Supposedly there were all kinds of, like, he's one of the producers. And they, like, cut him out of, like, everything. And, again, he was instrumental in getting this shit to screen to begin with. But with Blade II's success, I think Marvel was kind of like, because these are the movies, listen, these are the movies that got X-Men in the movie theaters. And with the X-Men in the movie theaters, guess what eventually came next, you know? We eventually get the MCU because of movies like this. These were the successful films. This was not Daredevil. This was not Elektra. These were not the Fantastic Four movies. These weren't the movies that bombed in the box office. The Blade films were fucking highly successful. And... You know, like we saw, we saw Spider-Man, we saw X-Men shortly after these. Um, except for this one, obviously. You know, the third movie's always the worst one. But, but yeah, so, so this is how we have Drake here. But I do, I do love that, like, all of the controversy, all of the chaos here, and then, yeah, ultimately we suffer as the fans because we really end up getting such a, we end up, like, like, like the King said, we got the Jersey Shore version of Dracula. 
(laughs) (laughs) Complete with gold chains. He's just rocking that gold chain. Um, music video. So, and it's, like walking. I remember being in the theater and being like, "Why the fuck am I watching like a music video of Dracula walking down the street right now?" Oh yeah. <laughs> there should have been a lot more new metal in this like in this uh, movie. I was waiting for like corn to pop up at some point or POD. <laughs> I was like, "This is peak fucking new metal season, like 2004." But no, they just have like the, the random club music and shit. But um. But yeah, like the ghoul is absolutely right. They just fucking said, fuck part two. We're not going to talk about that movie, even though it's fucking excellent. We're just going to do whatever we want in this one because we're ending it anyway. It's over. So let's just fucking just see what happens. <laughs> Boy. Um, it wasn't supposed so, to be. They had talks. They had so many things going on with this right? franchise still. They were ready for a spinoff oh, with okay. Steven Dorff. They wanted to do a Deacon Frost series. There were talks of fucking merging this with that. the Underworld franchise. There were so many other things that they were ready to do with Blade. But again, as the other superhero movies were starting to, to kind of, again, the X-Men especially and, and Spider-Man, you know, as they were starting to make a lot of money, they were kind of starting to see their own thing. And I would say, you know, we probably had the early days of Marvel starting to choke around like, hey, you know, because again, four years from now, we're going to get Iron Man. So you know they were already pre-planning by this point. Okay. Yeah, I mean, I know that they had the Blade TV series that came out um, with uh, uh, Sticky Fingers, the rapper, playing uh, – I never watched an episode, so I couldn't even tell you. <laughs> but I just remember seeing the, the previews. I was like, they're making a TV series with Sticky Fingers? I was like, okay, that's interesting. Um, but, yeah, I never watched an episode of that. Um, but anyway – uh, we cut back to Whistler, and we see that he's being followed by the FBI. He picks up a newspaper and shows it to Blade. He's all over the news. Whistler is concerned that Blade plays it cool. We then cut to a group of skater punk vamps, and they're hungry. They're trying to figure out who they're going to eat. They all need to feed, and they eventually decide to target a woman with a baby, but she's just not any other woman. She's <laughs> Abigail Whistler. No fatty. It was the daughter of Abraham. <laughs> and they track her down, fatty but she is ready like to Cheetos, fucking go. Man. and of course you know she whips off her her costume she whips off the fact that the baby was actually a bomb and you know she kills all the the skater punk vampires and then just moves on like it was such a bizarre scene it's like i guess they have to establish the character but like let's just show this random scene of her killing a bunch of vampires and then walking away (laughs) it was such a because she just doesn't show up again until much later and then i'm like oh that's right she's in this movie um well well, this is also thing. Yeah, yeah, of course. Mm-hmm. But what you, but what you also get is, is you got to remember you got. So besides Blade, obviously not having any lines, we also get Whistler, which is Chris Christopher Chris Christopherson reading some of the worst script reading I've ever. Like you might as oh, well yeah. have just had like you might as well have shifted the camera perspective behind his back so you could see the fucking board behind him with his with all of his with all of his lines in huge yeah. letters right behind Wesley Snipes because this is exactly how he was like reading it you know it's like yeah blade i see you alone and it hurts my heart you know i have friends we have friends 
you need friends. And that's when it cuts to, you know, his daughter, of course. And it's like, well, obviously, Chris, you're going to be fucking removing yourself from this franchise. So you're like, hey, give me some money because I'm still second build here. But bye, see you later. Oh, yeah, look, here's, here's <laughs> yeah. Jessica Biel straight out of seventh heaven. I'm yeah. a coming star. She's only <laughs> yeah. 22. Yeah, because it's like, you know, I didn't know who he was, and I was like, holy shit, Chris Christopherson's in this movie. And then <laughs> and I was like, oh, this is really cool. But then he said, as soon as he said, you know, I think if you like a son, I was like, oh, you're dying. <laughs> I was like, yeah, oh, I don't know dying. who you are, but, you, <laughs> but you're going to be dying soon. <laughs> as he, yeah, he just oh. stumbles through his lines. Uh, he, I'm sure he probably ad-libbed a lot. <laughs> I'm sure there wasn't a lot for him to do. Um, but the FBI descends on Blade's hideout. And Whistler fires back on the FBI, all while blowing up the computers, containing all the info that they've collected over the years. Whistler ends up blowing himself up so he could save Blade in the process and also not get arrested. And this ultimately leaves Blade alone, who decides he's going to have to turn himself in to the FBI. He's taken to the local police station where Cumberland and Wilson speak with him, and Blade admits to killing 1,182 vampires. Not humans. <laughs> and then I love the fact that they're like, oh, no, 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 and I'm like, okay. <laughs> yeah, high five. Uh, uh, <laughs> so, uh, James Dr. Remar, shows up. You know, we're going to see him for all <laughs> five minutes in this movie. Yeah. He'll show up, do his job, and go home. Thank you, Harry. <laughs> go back home, you dark passenger. Um, so, Dr. Van shows up and asks Blade. Uh, he asks the detectives that he wants to be left alone with Blade. He then offers Blade some help <clears throat> and begins asking him some basic questions to which Blade refuses to answer because Blade doesn't really talk in this movie. He wants you to hear Blade talk with about your vampires. Mommy? <laughs> <laughs> yeah, Blade saying vampires exist. Vance doesn't buy it and then tells the detectives that he's a psychotic and should be transferred to a mental facility. And that's when Vance grabs a needle, which is a sedative, and injects it into Blade. And it begins to take effect, and Vance reveals that he's a familiar, and boy, does Blade hate familiars. Oh, and by the way, yeah, Reed, also a familiar. He's also in on who's like, oh, hey, but, all right. Because it's wow. really convenient how Rupture. they all have these matching tattoos. <laughs> and I was like, yeah. really? <laughs> you got one too, more? So, That's awesome. Uh, so, so, you know, Monkey, the tattoos actually, so these are the things that they decide not to keep introduced in here. There are, if you think yep. of vampires and their, their world as in almost the, uh, the mafia, there are uh -huh. various families of vampires. The tattoos mm -hmm. represent what family you're attached to. Oh, so okay. Yeah. So each tattoo is different based on whoever it is that, like, you know, is your fucking whoever owns you, essentially. Oh, okay. Mm -hmm. you'll, you'll learn this yes. soon. Yes, identifying tag. That's why we, we see Hannibal with his that we'll talk about. Um, so Danica arrives with her assistants, like Asher, her brother, and, of course, uh, uh, Jarko, played by Triple H, disguised as mental health staff, to take Blade away. 
Danica confronts a drug player. His restraints are removed. <laughs> what? Um, with hair. His restraints are hair. removed. It's been so long since I've seen Triple H with hair that it kept oh, freaking yeah. me out it's, every it's time bizarre. I was seeing him. And no beard. Clean shaven. No beard on that uh-huh. face. Yeah. <laughs> you know, and it's just, he should have been the vampire that should just not have any lines at all. But for some reason, they're like, we're going to give you some lines, Jean-Paul Levesque. And he's like, all right. No, no, don't give him any lines. <laughs> don't don't give him anything to say. He should just be the heavy. Um, so Danica confronts <laughs> that drug blade. His restraints are removed. Just as a familiar crashes through the window, burning to ash. Hannibal King shows up on the scene, appearing with a hello, my name is fuck you sticker on the chest. Hannibal kills one of the familiars and sticks a serum inhaler into Blade's mouth. Blade quickly regains his power and power kicks Jarko, a.k.a. Triple H, through a wall, grabbing his belongings. Blade makes his escape along with King. Um, you know, it was a great introduction to, to Ryan Reynolds, of course. I mean, I like the guy. I've always have, but it, it's cool in this movie because he's just playing Deadpool without the costume. Just yep. swinging one line in left <laughs> and right, you know, and having a good time killing people. So the role of Ryan Reynolds hallways. will be played by Ryan Reynolds. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. So in separate hallways, King and Blade fight off waves of police officers. Abigail Whistler eventually joins in the escape attempt. Apparently she's a skilled archer with special arrows that can kill familiars. King and Abigail rush outside only to be met by arriving police cars. And that's when we see Blade make a superhero jump out of the window. Must be hard on the knees as he's now armed with a sword that he had to go back with. A car arrives to pick up the, th- uh, the three as they evade police gunfire. Jarko chases after the car, but is stopped when Abigail shoots an arrow into his eye. Like, the fucking running of Triple H fucking made me laugh. <laughs> such a lumbering... <laughs> he can't run. It was just, I mean, he's a vampire. Shouldn't he be super fast? No, he's just, like, oh, running in a casual pace. Everything about Triple H in this movie was just, oh, so enjoyable. It's hilarious. <laughs> it's, it's, just, it's such good trash. It's such good trash. <laughs> so Blade later finds out Abigail is the illegitimate daughter of Whistler, and the group arrive at the King's hideout, the Honeycomb, where Blade meets the Night Stalkers team, Dex, Summerfield, Hedges, and Summerfield's daughter, Zoe. Blade doesn't think any of them are fucking ready to roll with him. Like, <laughs> probably my favorite line in the fucking movie. I don't think all of me motherfuckers are ready to roll with me. <laughs> What's that on your chest? This ain't oh, no mother- fuck you. This That's supposed to be funny? <laughs> this ain't no sitcom. He's <laughs> 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 just dressing them the fuck down. And I love how he asks Hannibal how he affords the place. He's like, I sleep with a lot of old men. He's like, what? Just kidding? Joke? <laughs> you ever heard of it? <laughs> it's just the, the, the report that they have back and forth is enjoyable. Mm-hmm. See, I, I, and maybe again, because, you know, I, I know from the other films, like Wesley, you know, can dominate these movies. And yes, yep. I just feel like, like, and I know one of his complaints is that the script writers and, and the producers, they kind of, they kind of bullied him out and, and really wanted to shine the light on up and coming Ryan Reynolds. And, you know, obviously, mm-hmm. you know, the, the eye candy, that would be uh, would be Jessica Biel. Biel. Um, yeah, I just yeah. Uh, I'm, I'm, I've never found attractive. I find her to kind of have like a manly body. Never. Um, yeah, like it's it's her shoulders. Never found her but uh, but regardless, I felt like Ryan Reynolds was like a little too much. It was be- between the fucking guy liner and the makeup that he had on, and 
just oh god that eyeliner constant prattle and like i know it works for deadpool but that's because deadpool is not just random but he's also lewd you know whereas like this character's like it's ryan reynolds light you know it's Mm -hmm. it's van wilder but not without without the national lampoons and that's just not as funny you know like that's rise and taj nobody wants to see rise and taj well, you no, don't like the cock God, and bulls? Terrible. <laughs> no, God. I mean, that, that, I, I couldn't understand that movie when it came out, and I still don't understand that movie. <laughs> but um, so later, you see that Danica isn't too happy that King arrived and rescued Blade. Jarko manages to remove the arrow from his eye, and he gets an emotional support dog in the process, a little Pomeranian. And oh. Oh, you would love you. We're going to find out what that dog's all about later. Um, but Drake finds out that they said seen my dog. It's <laughs> a little emotional support dog. Similar thing that calms me down. I'm the game. I mean, I'm Jarko. Jarko, not because he couldn't be Draco. He couldn't be Jarko. So Drake finds out that they failed to bring in Blade, so now he has to join in and get him. Hannibal reveals that Danica and her brother Asher were the ones that tried to take Blade, and Abigail tells him that Dracula has come back, and Blade thinks it's a joke. And then we also find out that Hannibal has quite the collection of Dracula collectibles and explains to Blade that this is the real Dracula, not the movie version, and he also goes by the name of Drake. (laughs) And not not the comic book version. (laughs) And not the comic book version. We're going to hand you the first appearance of Dracula in uh, the Marvel comic. (laughs) No, not the first appearance of Dracula. That's Issue 10. That's the first appearance of Blade in a comic book. Yeah. Oh! Mm-hmm. <clears throat> yeah, Thank not you. Uh, yeah. Um, but it's just, it's funny the fact that, like, you know, Hannibal King is serious about Dracula being this fucking monster. He's the first vampire. He's deadly. He's not like the movies or the books, but he sometimes goes by Drake. <laughs> Why would you just always go by Dracula? Like, I would never be like, hey, my name's Drake. No, it's a sad name. Like, Count Dracula? A lot more fucking violent. But, no, you know, times have changed. So he goes by Drake. And then we get a quick uh, flashback montage, and Dracula is revealed to be the first vampire. And after all his carnage, he just disappeared one day, only to be discovered by Danica's group six months prior. We then follow Drake, and yeah. he's like, you know what? Well, what I'm kind of bored. I'm going to go for that, like, you know, like, like, Dracula here is like... Prior to Jesus, like, he's, he's much older than, than the initial thoughts. And when they find him, they end up finding him in Iraq. Um, you know, like, maybe if you were going to go this route with it, they could have given us a bit more of a backstory for this character. And, and, and like, I get it. You know, he's obviously this, uh, this, this badass, capable of fucking existing within and taking over just about any type of society because he is who he is. But, like, I don't know, like, it's not that I want more Dominic Purcell, but, like, I guess I kind of just want more Dracula in this movie. Because I'm not getting a lot of Blade, and I'm not getting a lot of Dracula. No. I'm getting a lot of all the other <laughs> fucking characters, and, like, I don't want to see any of these people. know. <laughs> <laughs> it's this, um, and that's why I like the scene that we're talking about now, where Drake decides he's going to go for a walk downtown and check out the site <laughs> and check out Modern Society. And then he just so happens to find the only vampire Dracula gift shop in town, 
run by a goth couple. And he's looking around in the, the country. shop, and he's looking at all these things. They have, they have Dracula dildos. They have little farting Dracula dolls. All Dracula all the time. And she asked cereal. Dracula. <laughs> yeah, they do. <laughs> and, of course, the girl's like, can I help you find anything? He doesn't respond. So the guy behind the counter is like, you better answer her. And what does he do? He throws the goth boy through a window and eventually feeds on the goth girl because we have to have a hot goth girl in a 2004 Blade Trinity movie. <laughs> like, the, the, you know, the, the stereotype goth, too, where she's wearing a depleted skirt and the black top and a lot of black eye makeup. I just Yeah, but at the same time, it's like, okay, again, stereotype. But, yeah, but she is definitely not someone who is actually uh, – a goth chick, because no, 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 yeah, no. <laughs> those those only exist in the kids. Those only exist in the kids. They have a Dracula story, <laughs> you know. The, the, the kid too, not for nothing, just seems like you know what I mean. Like definitely not. Like they could have used, I think, a better male in the role here. You know what I mean? Like the yeah. kids try to come a off like tough, and it's like, yeah, no. You know what I mean? Like you're like a little pretty boy with like some makeup on, guy. Like don't don't get me wrong, I get it that like you're trying to kind of show like he's Dracula's a man, and, and like these are the <laughs> bitches that are like you know like wannabes or whatever. But I don't even get like the the feeling like these people are familiars. You know, like this that's the thing here. Like you know, there's this whole right. idea that like you know we have this society in which like there are vampires. And then there are humans that serve them, which are the familiars. And then there's all the rest of humanity who has no idea that any of these people exist, you know, because the media has been painting it like it's insane. And see, Monkey, that's where the whole dissolving thing comes into play, because there's never any mm-hmm. bodies left over. So there's never any way to actually prove the existence of vampires. Okay. <laughs> it goes, yeah, it just like this movie just kind of tosses it away a lot. Like the ghoul's been saying, they really definitely toss a lot of shit away that they explained in the previous two movies a lot better. Um, but when we cut back to the hideout, the honeycomb, we find out that Summerfield has been working on a virus called the Daystar. They need Dracula's blood in order to make it work, because if it does work, it'll wipe out all the vampires, possibly including Blade. Uh, but it'll just take care of the problem. You know, we use the blood. We'll take care of the vampire problem, and we could just go back to leading, leading our normal lives. So that's what we need to do. And then we cut back to Hedges, played by Pat Oswalt, who definitely was not used enough in this movie. I'm a huge fan of Pat Oswalt. Uh, uh, and he's like the weapons guy. He's got all the cool weapons. <laughs> you know, he's the guy in the chair. The <laughs> <laughs> no, and of course, you have to have like a weapon kind of. Yeah, I just oh, I'm okay. a fan oh, of he, but, or, or would he be more like the chip to the Punisher? <laughs> yes, he would definitely be chip mm-hmm. to the Punisher. <laughs> like, <laughs> sitting in a van, you know, just trying to figure out all this shit, you know. Um, so after doing a breakdown of all the weapons that he's created and how to kill different familiars and vampires, we cut to during daylight, Blade, King, and Abigail leave the honeycomb in search of familiars that they can go out in daylight and search for. Um, they need to find the weakest link because once we do that, we'll find out where Dracula is and we can end that motherfucker. Uh, and they manage to trap one of the familiars, and they find out that his handler is actually the Vance. So the three head to the Vance Institute and make their way past several guards. They reach Vance in his office, but it isn't Vance. It's Drake. It turns out he's <gasps> a 
so he could just turn into whoever he wants. That's a new detail. That's a fun new detail that we, we just found out about <laughs> in this movie, that he could turn into anybody he wants. Uh, so Drake takes King hostage momentarily and manages to stab him before escaping out of a window. And then we've got our parkour moment coming up where Blade jumps out of the same window and chases after Drake. And during the chase, Drake kidnaps a baby. Blade eventually finds him on a rooftop <laughs> holding that baby. <laughs> he finds out that since he's the first vampire, he can also be in the daylight alongside Blade. And that's why Danica and her group want his blood to be daywalkers. Drake just decides to end the conversation by launching that baby at him like a football. Catch! <laughs> what the fuck? <laughs> I, I really want him to throw the baby Tom like Brady off the side of the building or something. <laughs> this Tom Brady, that fucking baby, <laughs> please. And he's like, okay, got to bring you back to your mom. So we cut back to Vance's office, and Abigail uses an elastic protein to help the injured king, and then takes a steamy, hot, sad shower. Again, I don't like Jessica Biel very much, but I like the fact that they're hey, she could be hot. <laughs> she could be hot, right? Right? Like, you know. She's sad and in the showers. Like, no, I don't like sad showers. Like, this is not like, yeah, okay, fine. All right. So she has to clean up. Um, and, and who has a shower that fucking big? This is a hideout. You got like a 10 foot. It was like a room. Like, to my 10 foot <laughs> shower. It's like, all right. <laughs> That's the shower room. That's what the room they didn't show you is that it's just fucking one room with a one fucking shower head. <laughs> you can just lay out in the shower. <laughs> if you want to, you could stand, you could sit, you could cry. Like, you know, it, it's, it's multi-purpose. Um, so later, Drake and Danica are talking, and he tells her, and this is, I like this unrated scene, because it does explain a lot. Like, how are vampires affected <laughs> by how they're not? So Drake tells her that he saw Jesus get crucified in person and tells her to take off her crucifix because he can make her a better one and then decides to bite her neck, which, you know, is something. And then back at the honeycomb, Zoe sees Blade using serum and asks him why he takes it. It keeps a bad inside. And she's like, well, why can't you just be nice? Because the world isn't nice, motherfucker. He doesn't say motherfucker, but it would have been better if he did. <laughs> yeah. Yeah, that's just his <laughs> He ends every sentence with motherfucker. But I like the fact that they did include that, where it's like, yeah, I saw Jesus get crucified. Those fucking things don't matter to me. <laughs> I was uh, so I got the like, I got the, I got the t-shirt not mine. <laughs> that's a fucked because up line. Like, it's I, a fucked up line if you think about it, because he's literally saying, "Oh yeah, God created him. He was created yeah. by God, but Jesus <laughs> yeah, by God. dies for yeah. all of humanity's sins, but not." fucking Dracula's. Dracula goes on a killing rampage, but Jesus obviously had had a problem with him. <laughs> Summerfield reveals that she's located a vampire lab at Biomedical Enterprises, and they've been buying a whole lot of stuff like bone marrow growth supplements and genetic sequencing enzymes. We see Police Chief Reed pulling up to the lab where Abigail and Blade are waiting for him. Blade tries to get info on what's inside, but Reed is like, I can't. They'll kill me. And Blade's like, I'll kill you, motherfucker. So they force Reed to go inside. <laughs> and we see inside this lab is a blood farm. People sealed into bags like Capri Sun pouches. The vampires have been farming homeless people to find a solution <laughs> to that. They no longer have to hunt as long as they keep farming the blood this way. Blade shoots Reed and then gets a tech to shut the whole facility down. Because you can't be doing people like this, motherfucker. 
So we cut back to the honeycomb. Drake disguised. You're giving Blade way You're giving Blade more lines than he actually had. <laughs> yeah, I know. I'm filling in the holes. <laughs> so anyway, <laughs> uh, Drake disguises himself as Whistler and visits King, putting a hand over his mouth. Zoe notices that the lights are flickering and tells Summerfield about it. And Summerfield, oh, by the way, she's blind. I was like, oh, okay. Uh, so we're finding out about that just now, uh, that she's blind. And she tells Zoe to hide as she seeks out Dex and Hodgins, who have been killed. Wait a minute. You didn't notice all the other scenes prior that she was blind? No, I just yeah. thought she was cool wearing and sunglasses. She, no, yeah. And she has the special keyboards and stuff on her computer so that she can... Yeah. And stuff. There were like a whole you didn't lot of things that pointed out to her inability to see. <laughs> Shows you how good this movie is, because I didn't notice it until the end. I'm like, oh, shit, okay. <laughs> so Summerfield yells at Zoe to hide, who seeks refuge in an air duct. Summerfield is eventually killed by Drake, who also finds Zoe and takes her away. Blade and Abigail arrive at the honeycomb and find Dex, Hodges, and Summerfield dead. King and Zoe are missing. Blade tells Abigail to use it. Use it. Use and then she decides it. to let out a fucking cry because her best friend, Summerfield, is dead. We cut the king, who's been chained up to a floor, and finds a vampire so, dog looking uh, at him. It's a little Pomeranian. This, this, this moment in the movie theater, uh, when he started mm-hmm. saying, use it, was one of those famous ghoul moments in which I was fucking dying laughing. As he's sitting there telling her this, okay, and nobody else in the theater, it's a packed house. This was, you know, when it released, there were a lot of people like me that were excited for it. Nobody else was finding it funny. I was fucking, when I say like almost tears coming out of my eyes, that's how hard I was laughing because it it was such shitty, cheesy line delivery and fucking repeating it three times was like, wow, guy. Hey, girl, all your best friends are dead. You know what? Use it in your battles, man, because cause that's what you're going to need to do. So what, what's our next scene? Oh, you know, she's going to tune up her fucking bow and arrow a little bit. Because, hey. She's, she's, she, 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 she's going to use yeah, it. Yeah, she's going to get that speed. <laughs> yeah. So... You know, uh, King, as I said, he's chained up. He's being licked by the Pomeranian vampire dog. Um, he gets his ass kicked a little bit by Asher and Danica and Jarko. He's not revealing what the weapon is that Blade has been working on. He keeps being his comedic Deadpool self as we cut back to the gold set of training montage with Abigail. We're also met by a guy named Calder, who is another one of the, the Night Stalkers, the vampire hunters, and he gives her a video that Summerfield had sent him before she died where she explains about the Daystar virus and how she found a way to make it work. Um, it will kill every vampire in the area, possibly Blade, but you have to get it into Drake's bloodstream. Calder reveals the virus that he was given by her, and Abigail places it into one of her arrows. She only has one shot. Got to make it count. So we cut back to where Danica is. So Abigail and Blade to track down... So Abigail and Blade track down King where he's being held via a tracking device that was implemented into his body. In King's cell, atomized colloidal silver is being pumped into the space, which makes it hard for Danica, Asher, and Jarko to breathe. Blade then makes a delayed entrance through the glass ceiling and beats up on Asher and Jarko before leaving the cell and fighting ways of guards, leaving King still chained up. Abigail eventually arrives and frees King, giving him some weapons before running off to find Zoe 
and also fighting several guards, she manages to find Zoe and free her. And once King is finally freed, he's got his little white beater on, he's got his weapons, but the Pomeranian shows back up along with two Rottweilers. Oh, shit. <laughs> and now he has to run for and his And they're life. all jacked up. And they're all jacked up, too. <laughs> yeah, they got up the weird predator now, too. So they, they chase yeah. after him, but he manages to trick them, and they all fall to their deaths. And while King gives him oh. the finger and laughs, he trips and falls through a hole in the floor where Jarko is waiting there to greet him. Abigail is seen cutting off the power to the building by shooting a power box, and that's where Drake and Blade have their final battle. Blade, ready to die? I was born ready, motherfucker. God, with the motherfucker. Oh, like, even yeah, Drake, uh, he, actually said, he actually said that one. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Motherfucker. But even Drake's like, well, like motherfucker. That. All right. And he goes, <laughs> yeah. I like that. Now, I mean, listen, Drake <laughs> obviously knows what mothers are, and he obviously knows what fucking is. So the fact that he likes motherfucker is hysterical because it's like, you know, come on, this guy's from like fucking, you know, 4,000 BC. And I would think, well, I mean, I, look, I get, don't get me wrong. I guess he's, he's Dracula, so he's all into sinning and shit, but I don't know. Fucking moms is a whole other level. <laughs> yeah. The Drake and Blade fight with swords, you know, and while this is happening, King is also having his fight with Jarko. And that fight eventually ends when Jarko puts a flashbang into Jarko's mouth and explodes him. You know, and he's oh, killing man. him. But, and like, oh. but the, fight is so, the fight is so bad between those two because, like, they're doing their hits and stuff like that, and they're missing, and the camera's catching it. But, like, but Triple H is selling the hit, even though right now they're, like, six <laughs> inches short and shit. And it's like, oh, my God. No, no, no one, can like, you, you know, uh, caught us in post? <laughs> Well, I mean, one, we don't get any, like, typical wrestler one-liners, and that's disappointing. You got no. Triple H. Yeah. You know what I mean? Like, again, you're, you're talking about a member of BX here. You know, where is the suck it? You literally got Triple H in a fucking vampire movie, and he doesn't say suck <laughs> it. It's only, like, the most I know. popular line the man ever fucking uttered in the entire history of his career. <laughs> but, yeah, you get him using the uh, – he doesn't use a pedigree, which which would be what was expected. But instead he does use the – uh, what was it? The, well, the Oklahoma Stampede, right? The fucking running power yep. slam. Mm-hmm. Yeah, he does, yeah, he does little, that. Uh, I was happy to see that. Good old Steve Williams' yeah. fucking uh, finisher. Dr. Death. Yeah, Dr. Death, Steve Williams. Kind of fitting. Yep. <laughs> Once managed by Jim Ross. But, yeah, it would have been great if he was, like, time to play the game. <laughs> I'm like, oh, shit. Yep, that's our Triple H, but no. Um, so, I'm, at the end of the I'm battle actor, between Drake and Blade, <laughs> Drake finally manages to turn into his true form for the final portion of this fight, a hideous vampire creature. Meanwhile, Danica and King fight it out, and just as Drake is about to kill Blade, Abigail fires a Daystar virus arrow at Drake, but he catches it in midair and throws it to the ground. Blade retrieves the arrow and stabs it into Drake's chest, which releases a virus, killing all the vampires in the area. This also causes Drake to turn into his human form as Dracula. He tells Blade that the future of their race belongs with Blade and reminds him that sooner or later, the thirst always wins. Uh, and it was a cool end fight. And of course, when you see Danica starting to turn, he's like, you know, see you later. <laughs> and, you know, King runs off. 
as they're all turning into to their ash forms. So the FBI arrive and find Blade's body, and he's the only body that they find because all the other vampires have been turned into ash, and they take his body to the morgue for an autopsy. As the autopsy is about to begin, Blade awakens and kills everyone in the room before rooming over a nurse. We then cut to a voiceover from King saying that the virus didn't kill Blade because he's a hybrid. His heart didn't stop, it just slowed down, waiting for the moment when he could walk the earth again. And that's when we cut to a shot of Blade getting on his motorcycle, motherfucker, and racing off into the daylight. Um, I like the fact that they use this for the, the alternate uncut uh, ending where he wakes up and kills all these people. But in the, the description I was reading on, on uh, IMDb, they said it, Drake turned in, like Blade turned into Drake. So we see that, that Drake oh, so, took over Blade's body. But we never see that yes. in movies. We just see Blade yes, killing people. In, in the uncut version, yes, this is what you're going to see in the unrated. In the original version yeah. of the movie, what you get what you get at the end of the film is same scene. The two of them are laying there, and actually, what they didn't do in the unrated, they didn't edit Drake's lines. If you listen to what he says, to okay. him, I'm going to give you one last gift. That's Let me right, give you a parting that. gift, and then he doesn't give him anything. He just says the whole thing about the thirst yeah. and fucking rolls his eyes and yeah. dies, and it's like. Well, where the fuck's the gift? Well, in the original cut, when the FBI all come in, Blade is laying there. But mm-hmm. as you notice in this version, he's got his clothes on. In the original theatrical, yeah. if yep. you pay attention, when you see him laying there, his shirt is missing, just like Drake. Oh. You cut to the autopsy scene, and what happens is, is just as they're about to cut into Blade, all of a sudden the body reverts, and it turns out that Drake disguises himself as Blade, and that's the gift. It gives Blade the ability to get the fuck out of there. And everybody thinks he's dead, so nobody's going to, like the Night Stalkers, aren't going to look to him for help anymore because they even think he's dead as well. Makes sense, yeah, because the, the unrated version I watched, they, they show him fully clothed, and then they cut to the autopsy room where his shirt's off, but you never mm-hmm. see him turn into Drake at all. He just is Blade with all the tats. Like, I even rewound it. I was like, wait a second, did I miss the transformation? Like, did it happen? But that, no, no, they just show... Was that's like, oh, in shit. the rated version. That is in the rated version. Of the uh, and you know what? Honestly, because I, I did... I watched that ending tonight, today, too. After I... Because I, I watched mm. pretty much all of the movie last night. I had about a half hour to go. I watched that last half hour today. Uh, after finishing right. it, I did go back. I watched the theatrical ending just to see which one... I felt played better. And honestly, I think in this case, I think the rated version actually does kind of play off a little bit better. It leaves Blade kind of mm. like like a wild card out there. You know, like with, with this version, yeah. Hannibal King knows that Blade is still alive. You know, so, and I mean, I guess you, you get the same, you get a similar voiceover from Hannibal, and he's talking about Blade, so he knows that he's still alive too, I guess. So I guess it really doesn't fucking matter. <laughs> Listen, he's going to ride off into the darkness and we're never going to see Wesley Snipes' Blade again because we're going to get the TV series, which is actually a sequel to this movie. The TV series does actually continue this story, but it is fucking okay. atrocious. The TV series <laughs> is so. The TV series makes this seem good. Yeah, I, I haven't seen a single episode. All I know, like I said earlier, is that Sticky Fingers was taking over the role of Blade, and I was like, okay, just never watch it. And we're also going to get the Marshall Ali version of Blade coming soon. So, you know, yeah. that nice. will be PG-13. Should have paid the taxes, dude. It's going well, to be no, PG-13? Uh, they, they, 
Yeah, yeah, they they did announce that uh, that the Blade oh. movie will be PG thirteen. It's listen, it's going to be uh, part of the MCU. This is why, like I'm saying uh, with true. Deadpool, you know what I mean? Like I know it's going to be <laughs> rated R, but I really feel like it's going to be outskirts to the MCU. Oh, you know? Like he's not good. Exactly, yeah. you know, and and they'll make it yeah. where they did just like with Deadpool two, where there'll be a PG thirteen version of it as well. And then whenever, whenever they actually want, if at any point they actually want Deadpool in any of these MCU movies, they will, they'll, they'll lessen the Deadpoolishness. Yeah, I'm, I'm sure that's how it's going to play out, but we'll see. Anyway, uh, the Dean will not be here next week, as I said uh, earlier. So I'm going to give it to the Mad Monkey uh, to present his film pick in lieu of the Dean. So what are we talking about, Monkey? What do we got? Yeah, next week, uh, we're going to stick in the monster hunting vein. We're going to go ahead and stay in the comic book realm, but we're going to switch from Marvel, and we're going to go to DC. And we're going to make Ghoul watch Constantine for the first time. Dude, I nice. just bought it. Too. I'm with it. I bought it like a couple there of weeks ago, bro. It was on the four ninety nine list. I am nice. ready to go. <laughs> I can't wait. That is a great pick, uh, Monkey. I'm looking forward to it. I'm a huge fan of that movie. So can't wait to talk about it. Ghoul, it's your first time. I hope you enjoy it. But we'll get your thoughts next week. So, Monkey, we'll be talking about that. Constantine as your film pick of the week. Why don't you go ahead and sign yourself off? Oh, I think like it's Constantine 3 that we could start with. No, no, that, no that, that, we're still waiting for Constantine 2, man. But anyway, that's my time. Thanks for listening to tonight's episode of Talking Terror. Good night, everybody. All right. Go, why don't you go ahead and sign yourself off? Stay scared, motherfuckers. Stay scared. <laughs> and, and Monkey, definitely, uh, definitely go watch the first two Blade movies. You'll really, you'll really appreciate them, being that you've now seen this one. <laughs> there you go. Okay. So, yeah, check it out. I, 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 I'm with him, man. Check it out. I definitely love Blade One, Blade Two. But uh, as for me, I'm your old pal, the King of Horror, Andy G, saying, "Hail Satan! Hail Odorous! Hail yourselves, motherfuckers! Keep watching horror movies. Keep America strong. We'll see you back here next week for Constantine. Take care, everybody."